<clears throat> okay. Hey, ladies. Hey, gentlemen. It's 6.57 p.m. on the East Coast on 10-10-23. The 10th day of October, 2023, and we're here hanging out in New York. And uh, we're just about to hit the witching hour. And quite frankly, Lynn, that's 7 o'clock. Even though I've never really gone live at 7 o'clock before. It's always a couple minutes before. But um, you know how it is. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's going to be a, uh, a night that we, we may stretch a little bit farther into the 8 o'clock hour than we thought. Band practice has been uh, postponed, changed. It has been mutated in some way. So we have a little bit extra time. And um, it's going to be... It's going to be almost like two shows in one, only because the subject matter is going to switch up so much. Or maybe it just might be so smooth, you never know. And last night, if you were watching, I did go home. I said I was going to do a little bit of a live stream from the new studio to keep things uh, fresh over there and to keep testing the equipment. Well, there's something going on with my microphone over there. I don't know what the hell's happening with my microphone at home. I have to get something new in. It's just fresh out of the box. It's made for the actual mixer. It's got a preset in there, so you don't have to touch anything. No gain, no nothing. It's perfect. And sometimes it is perfect, like when we did the Saturday night show last week. But uh, last night, it sounded like old Frank was talking from the tin can. Like I was inside of an aluminum trash can last night. I don't know what the hell is going on. But other than that, I think we got some good stuff out of the way. We jumped into the um, into the, uh, the, the rumored... Well, it, the only rumor about it was whether or not Albert Pike had wrote written the letter to Mazzini in 1871 about the construction of three world wars to be able to completely transform the world order into one that was diverse and mostly Christian in origin and uh, culturally uh, mutually exclusive, this beautiful world in the 19th century that has now been uh, slowly blended into a strange shitty fruit smoothie and um and now we are we're knocking on the on the door of several big calamities that were actually included eerily enough in those letters whether it was written by albert pike a 33rd degree freemason confederate uh, general or not and that was a good thing you you'll be able to find that episode is about 40 minutes long on the um on the website through Foxhole. I think it's still up on Rumble. I took it off of YouTube um, and a few other places. So it was a pretty exclusive company. Now tonight, tonight we're going to be hanging out and doing things a little bit more lighthearted. And then I'll ruin that vibe in the second half when our guest <laughs> departs. I'll ruin the good vibe and we'll do a little bit of a war report because at this point you have to. This is, um, this is the next step that we've been waiting for to see what the steps were going to be taken. But Michael Collins is in with us tonight. Wandering Wolf Productions. We spoke to Michael, it feels like a couple of months ago, maybe two months ago or so at this point, over the, the summer, uh, about all of his travels around the world. Um, it was his work in Montana at the Sage Wall that first brought our attention to it. And then, uh, and then he went off to, to go travel more and went to Easter Island, and he's going to be in here in a couple of minutes. I'll introduce you in just a second. I just want to get a couple other things out of the way, including a big, big shout-out to our sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. Go check them out. BlueMonsterPrep.com, prep for the winter. Winter is coming. 
Hopefully it's not a nuclear winter because there's nothing that they can do for you on that. Unless you, they, they have shovels, you can build yourself a nice underground layer. I don't know what the hell you get. Cement. Lead. You big, buy big lead walls from Blue Monster Prep. I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be funny about this, everybody. I'm trying to be funny about this. But um, go and check them out on all of our wonderful affiliates. As you know, I won't be on the air for the next couple of days. We're going to go get lost in the woods for a little bit when we come back on... Um, it's Monday, the 16th. I'm working on a special guest for Monday. But then we're going to actually have Pat and Gina, Blue Monster Prep, call in for a really quick update on Tuesday. Because not only are they a great friend and sponsor of the show, but they're going through a really interesting legal battle with their former state of California. you got to hear about this. It won't be a long segment, but it's, it'll be great to check in on them. Then on October 19th, that is a Thursday, we got Rachel Wilson. She'll be in to talk about first wave feminism. Um, actually, any wave feminism, okay, and female opposition to suffrage, the militant wing of witchcraft, which is feminism, and we're going to be doing to uh, we're going to be doing a lot of great, great topical um, arrangements with her. Greg Carlwood, the higher side chats will be coming back on October twenty sixth. Rich Barris, Dr. Albert Taylor on Halloween night to talk paranormal OBEs, and I have more that I want to add into the. Um, into the the mix there in October. We still have some open spots that can have some calls and all that worked out. And then I also have a lot of great things I want to talk to you about. One of them we're building up tonight. Travel stories. Now, spooky travel stories will be something that we'll be doing in about a week or so. But I want to ask Michael Collins about what he's got going on in that department since he won't be here that night. Hey, Michael, how you feeling tonight, man? What's up, man? Happy to be here. This is... uh... This is awesome, man. It's awesome to connect with you in person. You know, I have to imagine that all the traveling that you do, being in this room, is it should be a very comfortable thing. You, you, you really put yourself in a position all over the world where you're out of your element and you're just immersed in not only somebody else's culture and another country, another region, you know, sometimes remote islands in the middle of the Pacific, but, I mean, you are immersed in ancient history all the time. It must be nice to just chill out here in, in a modern studio and just hang. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a little bit needed lately. Yeah, I've been going hard for probably five or six years traveling, so uh, catching me here on vacation is is nice. Yeah, it's nice to just kind of pull up a chair. Oh, yeah. Well, we have plenty of chairs here. <laughs> Next time you come, you can bring guests. Oh, and also, before we go anywhere, congratulations congratulations everybody this is an expecting father right here yes so now now this is not your first child right it is it yeah. is first kid oh i thought i thought it was just your first boy no um then uh um i haven't released that but yes oh, why didn't you tell me that <laughs> you broke the news man it's fine i, I would have totally done it here it's uh we just found out on um, sorry dude fr- no not at all man we just found out on friday it's a boy so it's been a exciting week back home well that's amazing i, I man well you should have told me uh <laughs> you should have told me he's uh you know hey don't tell hey, me it's what better place to do it man absolutely well now that now that everybody knows or at least a small corner of the world knows yeah wow that's fantastic so um tell me i mean i i don't want to get too too uh I don't know, I'm heavy about this, but parenthood is a very 
heavy thing. It calls your life into question. It calls everything, everything you used to know, your, your routines. You're, you're thinking about everything now that you do, that you know is your calling, plus the child. How, how have you thought about integrating your son into your work in the future? Because I know that this is going to be a very well-traveled child. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just going to bring him with me everywhere I go, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, man, I've been, um, yeah, it's definitely t changed my perspective. I've been having to think a lot about, you know, how I'm going to juggle that, how I'm going to manage that. But, um, you know, I have a very supportive uh, woman behind me and absolutely encourages me to keep going and doing these things. And I think we're going to be able to figure out how to incorporate that. But, uh, yeah, man, um, it's put a lot of things on the table. I was 44. I'm 44, so, you know... I I kind of, it was in the back of my head at this point. I was kind of thinking it was in my rear view having kids. So, um, you know, having to revisit some of those thoughts. It's exciting though, man. I'm really looking forward. We only got four months left. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's coming up quick. Happy holidays. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, yeah, if, that, if, if Lauren and I were expecting a child in February or, or January, I would be so much more excited for the holidays because I would know that there's, usually, there's something completely destructively deflating about uh, December 26th. Everything just... Right afterwards. It just... Everything. Right? Everything yeah. is... I feel so destroyed. And the, the thought that you still have one more night to party with your friends on New Year's does not help me at all. Because New Year's is kind of weird, Yeah, it's kind of like uh, looking at a Monday work week, but on a larger scale, right? You're like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's start, let's start it all over again. All the festivities are over, right? I, absolutely. Yeah. But... But if I knew that a, a child was going to be arriving right after New Year's, then it's like, okay, the holiday season is still in, in play. Yeah, I think we'll have a wild couple months there, man, uh, January and February. Obviously, probably, you know, that whole first part of the year, I imagine, is going to be be a bit, bit intense. You're going to be challenged, man. I think, I, I mean, you might just say, hey, this is my job. I got to do what I got to do. But I'll tell you something. Uh, being away from Aurora and Lauren for the two and a half days that I went to Vermont two weeks ago was real rough. If I were in Easter Island and they were back in New York, I'd be like, I'd be crawling in my skin. Yeah, you know, um, honestly, yeah, that's going to be tough because I've been at this long <laughs> enough now that I'm starting to, uh, you know, to, there's there's amounts of time where I'm like, all right, I'm kind of, I'm good, right? You know, you, you start getting beyond two weeks and you're, you're really planning out like a, you know a, a, an extended absence type of thing. You're really stepping out of your kind of day-to-day -day routines. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Well, that's great. Well, you know, let me ask you this. Somebody in the chat room just said, uh, someone on the Twitch chat room said, Collins is one of the thirteen Illuminati bloodlines. Are you, are you Illuminati? I am not, but I, you know, I get that in my com in my comments every once in a while. Really? Uh, yeah. Sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Collins is one of the names. Um, but no, uh, you know, we, I, I, my family goes back to Ireland. Um, I've so far, I've traced them back to about 1852 is when we came over mm -hmm. and, uh, definitely were not well off. Uh, you know, they were tailors, I believe, if I remember correctly, that could be just a really well-played cover. Really played. <laughs> it could be really, uh, you know, uh, uh, to my, slide it in there to my, uh, I have. I have volume one and volume two of uh, Fritz Springmeier's 
Bloodlines of the Illuminati, and I have not read them yet. Okay. So I, I'm very backed up, or else I would have known that Collins is one of the uh, the 13. Yeah, well, you know, when I started getting into all this years and years ago and read that, I was like, oh, hell. I, I already knew when I started doing stuff there was going to be comments eventually, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, and there are. Well, I mean, I get I get comments because of my tattoos. I've kind of screwed myself on that one. You're yeah. bo- you're born into a name. That's one thing. I, I I paid for a tattoo that that screws with me all the time now. So. Which which one you got there? <laughs> on the on the crease of my elbow, I got the all-seeing eye. Okay, you yeah. know, and that's a uh, that's that's, that's a no-no. Oh, no. I'll I'll have to be explaining that one forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, you 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 learn, right? You live and learn. I think so. I think so. But <laughs> we'll, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. I also want to shout out somebody from last night. I did not see this until I signed off, but I did get two Rumble rants uh, during my late my late night stream last night. And from Jen Mule and Cave Toad, thank you so much for those wonderful gifts to me um, of support during the eleven thirty stream that I did uh, for you know. Yeah, the bonus last night. So I, I really want to thank you guys and gals because I kicked myself for not checking uh, until afterwards. So that's that's that. Um, I have a couple things here I'd love to do with you before we get this one kicked off. Michael, let's jump into our grab bag for the night. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay, first one up. Sounds like I missed out on a good uh, good uh, uh, episode last night too. That sounded like a pretty interesting topic there. The Albert Pike is that? For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so you, you could dig into that for a while. Well, I well, you know, there's a lot there. If you want, I can I can do I can do a couple of you know. There's there's three paragraphs. You're doing this to yourself, <laughs> okay? I was trying to keep you out of this, okay? I'm trying to protect you and try to keep this lighthearted. <laughs> but if you have <laughs> wading into the deep end, <laughs> no. See, I, I know. That, see, anybody that does what you do is is has a very healthy sense of curiosity. And you, you have to know that the surface level of anything is not all that there is. And uh-huh. I mean, how can you do what you do and just take what you see at the surface for all that there is? Yeah, there is layers upon layers upon layers. So, you know, I think the healthiest way, at least for, for myself, uh, way of looking at everything is just uh, assume that everything, assume you know nothing and assume everything that you're hearing, at least publicly, is a lie. Start there. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right? a good it's, one. That it's propaganda or something and wait for more information to come out. Nobody waits anymore. Everybody reacts to everything instantaneously. <laughs> so, the and it yes. changes, right? Just give it give it a little time. Well, uh, you know what? I I'm going to do this with you right after we come back from break then. Okay. I, I I'm just it's a three it's a three paragraph letter. It, that right. that just goes through what is in question the first, the second, and then the third world war. Yeah, and of course it has a lot of references to the Illuminati, which we all know you're a part of. So <laughs> that, this is going to be something good for this you. This will be very revelatory to all of your viewers. Then, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> so the first one up I want to do is this is from OddityCentral.com. A Spanish town, let me get you up on the screen with me. There you go. A Spanish town experiences Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds in real life. For the past five months, the people of uh, Pravia, a town in Spain's Asturias region. You ever been there? Uh, No, I haven't been to Spain. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, you can always go. Uh, They have been under constant siege from flocks of crows who mindlessly attack their homes and their vehicles. The town of Pravia has no less than six crows 
proudly displayed on its historic coat of arms. So it's safe to say that people here have been living in harmony with birds for centuries. That is not the case anymore. However, as large flocks of blackbirds now attack the homes and vehicles of human residents for some unknown reason, the uh, people of Pravia started reporting groups of birds mindlessly flying into their windows repeatedly until the impact caused them to bleed in May of this year. And things have been getting worse ever since. No one knows exactly why the crows are targeting people's homes and vehicles, but they are relentless in their attacks, pecking at and flying into windows until they start to bleed. They says it looks like something out of Alfred Hitchcock's oh, wow. movie, The Birds. What do you think? And uh, Just off of the... Off of this, where does your mind go to with this? Um, I feel like we're pumping the atmosphere full of all sorts of particulates, including all sorts of signals and different stuff like that that could definitely be messing with um, birds. But then, you know, it's specific to one area, so if it's localized, what's going on over there in that town, right? Um, I don't know. I feel like this story, I feel like I've heard this story before years ago. In, uh, in, a, in the States, I felt like there was something where the birds were all killing themselves um, something like 10 years ago or something. It was mm. in the news all over the place um, in some town. I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, that would be my first... That's exact. My brain goes to, you know, that we're, we're throwing them off with, you know, some kind of signals or different stuff, you know. The, I'm with the, you. The way that they kind of use... Have the sense of location... Uh, maybe it's just kind of messing with them, driving them wild. But what would that be? It's, well, you know. I mean, it, it can come from a n number of different places. First of all, now that we the entire planet is being blanketed in this Starlink, the Starlink, uh, uh, you know, uh. low Earth orbit satellites. I mean, they they essentially want to make sure that eventually one day you can get f five or six G, seven G connections to the internet in the middle of a you know, a, a, a national park where there's mm -hmm. usually no service at all. I don't know. I mean, so as far as w what we're being steeped in, when, but as far as um, animals in general, anything that happens to them, especially these species that are very migratory, whenever something like this happens where they start committing to very violent acts, right. things that are suicidal even. Uh, we saw that big bomb of birds fall to the ground in Mexico together. Uh, whenever bees are starting to go nuts or or, or yeah. these whales that are beaching themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that seems like very similar behavior. Yeah. Um, but we all know that birds are not real, right? No. Birds are not real. They've been replaced by the robots. <laughs> so. so I think it's probably just the malfunction in that area. That's true. This could have been explained by just bad firmware. <laughs> exactly. Hey, yeah, when that, you're when you're on your travels, yeah. Have you ever um, has anything like this ever popped up? If you've talked to locals or if there's something odd going on, have you ever been in uh, a certain place at a certain time where there was oh, something man. that a town was dealing with, whether it be a, a some kind of an intrusive species or if there was a sighting of some sort? Have you, have you ever been around to, to catch something like that in real time? No, nothing like, um, you know, like animal-wise. Um, you know, we saw an, a really interesting cloud formation that was like a hole in the sky uh, when I was when I visited CERN, um, oh. which you know really you know piqued my curiosity. It was t totally did not look natural. Um, and uh, about when was that? 
oh god that was um that was right around the same like month that Notre Dame burned down okay so that was four or five what years ago five I feel like that was April or something. I feel like that was spring of 2018 or 19. Sounds about right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that, that that was really interesting. And then, you know, people have been seeing crazier stuff than that all over Europe since then. Um, but, uh, you know, the craziest thing I, I ever saw was um, doing a, a hiking trip through Big Bend down in Texas. Uh, with a couple buddies, um, we used to do this loop every year, and we saw what looked like a star exploding, and then like shrinking, and then exploding again, and shrinking and explode, and then it just disappeared. And then the next night, we saw lights going over the mountains, just like what you what people would describe a UFO. Basically, I've never seen anything like that. I've like paranormal stuff or UFOs and things. I I I I, I don't really have have had a lot of experience seeing anything like that but that one time i did see something i can't explain that at all uh the big bend trip so it was just like a throbbing light it, it would expand and contract yeah it looked like an explosion like a star exploded and then it would contract and then it exploded and contract and then the next night we were i don't know 10 12 miles on and uh out in the desert and then that's when i looked back and i saw the lights f flying across the mountaintops and moving at impossible speeds and changing directions, impossibly. Um, and it was way off in the distance, though, so I didn't get any. It, it was just a light that I saw. Have you, you see? This is something I would expect to be a common occurrence at really, really old places like Machu Picchu, or, or you know, I, I can, I don't know, Easter Island. I can't wait to talk to you about Easter Island because you did a, you did a bumper for this show at Easter Island. Yeah. I haven't showed anybody yet because oh, I, yeah. I knew you were coming. Yeah. So I mean, that's going to be really a, like one of my prized possessions now. Man, that 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 uh, that was a lot of fun to film, man, and and uh, uh, for you. But the the trip out there was uh, that was something else. You know, they they only got internet this past like February. So they've, they haven't even had internet on the island for a year. So, you know, it was really weird because, um, you know, we go into town at God, night. I hope, I, hope, I hope they're not actually starting out how we had to. Like well, they, they're just getting the dial up right now? No, they now. got Starlink. Okay. Oh, see, so, that's what I'm talking about. You see yeah, what I'm talking about? It, yeah. So, so if, if, all the, if those birds start smashing into those <laughs> exactly, big stone faces, yeah. you know what happened. We know what happened. We, we, we can connect the dots a little bit here, right? But, uh, yeah, the locals there, we, we'd go into town to get dinner at night, and there was nobody around. We talked to one of the guys, and he was like, yeah, since we got internet, everybody's at home watching Netflix. They used to all come into town oh. and hang out. Nobody does anymore. That, we're talking thousands of years. Just, no internet. Community. You get internet. It's gone. Less than a year. Nobody's hanging out. Everybody just staying home. Isn't that wild? Watching Stranger Things. Yeah, man. Okay. So they got to binge the whole catalog, and then... Maybe they'll go back and have some beers. Let's start the show because this is going to be a good one. Everybody, don't go anywhere. We got Michael Collins, Wandering Wolf, in the studio tonight. Be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. 
And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome back. Welcome back. All that stuff, the first 18 or 20 minutes or so, that was all bullshit. That wasn't really a show. Just throw that all out the window. What's going on? You know, you know, Michael, sometimes I have... I, I, I really have to limit myself to what I do in the opening. I try to give people a little bit of time to sit down and hang out, but um, it gets to a point where, if I especially have a guest in studio, that we just start riffing on all of the grab bags. It's either I have to bring the person in for the grab bag and start the show just that way. And don't play the intro, because you know, once you're half hour in, what the hell's the intro for? <laughs> like, you ever watch, yeah. you, you know when you watch a Netflix yeah. special or anything like that, and, and you're going 25 minutes? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get hit with the opening Yeah, like, why, what, what are you doing? I just They needed to kill, like, uh, two minutes to hit that hour and 30 mark, I think. Yeah, well, it happens a lot on this show. <laughs> I just like what 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 have we done? This is, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I've got a lot here, and we've got a lot going on. We were talking a little bit about um, about Easter Island, you know. Well, real quick, because we were on a couple topics there. I read recently, just because we were on Netflix there for a couple minutes. But I read something pretty interesting. You might get a kick out of um, the one of the owners or executives at Netflix is a direct relative of Sigmund Freud, and his father is the one that helped the U.S. government develop propaganda techniques through all sorts of stuff. So Netflix actually has ties to uh, high levels of propaganda and mind control and influencing. Well, that's not a surprise at all. It's pretty addictive. I mean, well, based on... Simple observation shows exactly what the company culture is all about. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some there are some really interesting. What the hell's in here flying around? <laughs> Something's in here flying around. It should not be. But there's a lot of great things that slip in there. But as far far and wide, you can see what's going, what's happening, and what kind of message it puts and uh, it puts out, and and what the dominant message really is across all kind of media. Mm-hmm. But to hear something like that come out and it just have it be cemented it's like yeah well i believe it yeah uh i just read about it today i'd give you more i can't remember the names and stuff but uh yeah i bet there's gonna be plenty of people digging into that here uh pretty soon well i got a let me see here i I got a um i have your videos right here but they came in i sent them over to myself dot mov so i'm i'm saving them as mp4 right now so i can throw up on the screen about that though about Easter Island, then yeah. we're gonna go, then I'll read it. I'll go into some Illuminati stuff with you. Perfect. 
but about how long does it take to get to Easter Island? Because when I first actually took myself, I said, you know what, where the hell is this place? And when I saw how far off into the middle of nowhere in the Pacific it really is, mm-hmm. I wonder how that, when was it even discovered? Oh, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give you dates because I, I, I'll be wrong, but, um, you know, obviously there, it's been inhabited for quite a long period of time. It was named Easter Island because it was discovered on Easter, I believe, um, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, it was discovered and then rediscovered, and then, you know, there were like 60 and even 100-year breaks in between, you know, uh, visitations. Um, so, you know, um, it's had its ups and downs. The population has decreased through civil war on the island um, and built back up and down again. Um, well, they don't have to worry. Pretty, about, pretty good history. They don't have to worry about war anymore now that they have Netflix and porn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not, yeah. They're just wasting away. Nobody leaves their house. They don't even want to go out to dinner, let alone fight. I know. Uh, and, you know, that island is a paradise. Uh, the trees are all, you know, everybody, I think the thing that everybody was surprised the most was uh, how many trees there are on the island. I guess people just, you know, think that all the trees were chopped down, but they're not. So were all of these figures behind you, hold on, first of all, this is one of the, uh, one of the, the bumpers you did for me. Take a listen to this, everybody. What is up, everybody? Mike Collins here with Wandering Wolf Productions on Easter Island. Hold on to them panties, because you're about to watch quite frankly now those figures right there mike yeah um have were those excavated and unearthed where they stand or were they found somewhere else and brought there um i believe they were found i believe they were found right there you got to keep in mind that behind this basically right behind this across the way is the uh there's a like old volcano and mountain that's a quarry and it was mm-hmm. the main quarry for the island so these were uh, quarried off there and then put in place down there. And that's the beach is right behind it. Wow. And okay. uh, a lot of these, you can tell differences in styles and stuff through the as styles changed or progressed. Um, and, you know, some of them clearly get bigger. Uh, but they're all facing inward towards the island not out towards the to the ocean are these supposed to did you talk to anybody any kind of tour guide or local that told you exactly what they knew about them are they supposed to be stone sentinel type of guardians or is there some other story behind that i never understood i just knew that they were old and it's on a remote island and uh they became very famous yeah um i'm i'm not sure that they know exactly um we you know i heard different stuff while i was out there and the um the you know the different statues and different stylizations they come from different periods where they actually believed different things so um it's uh you know it was very very cool to be able to kind of walk down that whole row there and just see all the differences and even the backs of them are shaped differently um so this is a very chronological uh set of sculptures then i i don't know that for sure but it it sure seems like it because they they you know, when we were there, it, it seemed like they were kind of progressively getting more detailed, um, and uh, their body shape and the heads. Um, some of them are broken, obviously, but um, and then as you get down to the end, I believe there's one that's not in frame that has one of those hats on. That one right there looks like Rob Reiner. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> the the, uh, 
With the top, the big one or the yeah, the, the, the stumpy one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just uh, maybe he was a maybe he's been worshipped there for a long time. There's something <laughs> weird about him anyway. Here's another one. This one came out, I think, even better because there was no wind. Listen to this. What is up, guys? Mike Collins here from Wandering Wolf Productions at Easter Island, and you are watching, quite frankly. Now, that is an amazing view going all the way down just because you get the, so much more of the sky, the landscape behind it. I love the, the tweeting of the birds. Yeah. But that's a, dude, it's just a, that, that's remarkable. How long did you spend on the island? Oh, gosh. We were there, I guess, about a week. Yeah. Which is more than enough time to explore the whole island. We can, You can ride an ATV from uh, one side of the island to the other in like 30 minutes. Wow. You know, it, 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 it's large, but, you know, um, and, you know, we were going really fast, but uh, on those ATVs, but uh, you can you can get across the island in about 30 minutes, but um, it is a decent size. That's incredible. It's incredible stuff. You know, you know what it's the most incredible thing is, is the, the miles traveled. So what did you say again about getting onto the island? Because do you have to first go down to, you know, I don't know, what's that, Chile? You have to go down to Santiago or something Santiago's like that? Santiago's the, the uh, takeoff point, right? I think I heard that they're really soon here going to have uh, flights coming in from, uh, I believe, Lima. Okay. But right now, the only way to get there is through Santiago. Um, it's the, um, it is the most isolated or furthest out inhabited region or place in the entire world it's 2300 miles away from the coastline of chile wow yeah so it's a good four or five hour flight from santiago so that's like pretty much you're going to santiago yeah and then you're taking the equivalent of a trip from new york to california into the middle of the ocean exactly yeah it's it's insane it, and and you know when you see the island um kind of come into view if you're on the right side of the plane um even if you're not, everybody was getting up and moving over uh, to take a look. It's it's just crazy to watch it just kind of appear and get big. And it seems bigger than you would think, but they only have one runway, and it stretches across the entire island. It's, a, f uh, if I remember correctly, four miles long runway, but it's just the one runway. And, um, you so know, they have a flight come in in the in, – uh, I think they have – a flight come in and leave in the morning and a flight come in and leave in the evening and how big are the plane like how big was the plane that you oh, were in what were we on we were on the big ones where you have like uh what you know the five rows in the middle so 747 yeah big big plane Four, that's a 747 right i think so um the 737 is what is most like jet blue. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be the bigger ones. The, I guess that's the 747. Wow, I was yeah. expecting you to say that you were you were up in and a little smaller. No, yeah, it's a big one. Um, and uh, God, who do we fly with? Latam or was it? Uh, um, it was good. It was a good flight. And, was, and and what's the population of the island? About what? They're only like three thousand people, and it's wow. uh, there's only one city. And uh, it's the uh, that one city is just um, everybody lives for the for the most part right around that area. They have no uh, port, no natural port. So all the ships for supplies that come in, they have to dock offshore. And then everything that's being brought in has to be brought in one boat at a time. So each each cargo container of goods, one a boat comes out, picks stuff up, brings it in, goes back out, picks one container cart. So it could take a while for them to unload, which means they also don't have stuff like cold milk. 
you know, or things that we, you know. Well, like, they're probably milking goats and right there at there's home. There's cows and, and goats and stuff, but I didn't see any, uh, I, I never saw any milk at any store there. So there's stuff that they don't have there just because it won't keep. You know, they can't get to the, and then they don't have any electricity. So they have, they ship in like diesel and then they have a giant generator and power plant that runs off gasoline that powers all the the energy to the to the town. I can't tell you, Michael. <laughs> I cannot tell you how bad I wish that there's only three thousand people in this town. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I can't tell you. I, I'm I, I'm. It, it makes me feel almost uncomfortable to think about how how much is crowded into this. We have right here. This town is about I, about two square miles. Yeah, and. You're talking about an island that sounds almost like about the size of this town. You're talking about one runway that goes through the whole thing. It's a little bit, it's a little bit smaller than Easter Island, but still, yeah, three thousand. I bet you any. Did you happen to ask anybody what the crime rate is like on uh, Easter Island? Probably nothing. nothing. They're all they're all related. They all know each other. Yeah, and and if you go to jail, get from what I was told um, by one of the, our guides there. Um, you you're out during the day and you can go to work and then you have to go check back into jail at night they just want to make sure that you're not you're not getting rowdy at night yeah i guess so okay i mean there's where you you know what like nobody locks their doors nobody locks their cars that's like jeffrey epstein like where are you gonna right go there? you know yeah that's, that's the deal that jeffrey epstein had he got yeah, the, it is exactly he, what he, he had to right? go out to the office and work during the day mm-hmm. come back home and play playstation in his cell do you know god doesn't that speak a lot about our our system money talks yeah if you got money you don't have to you don't have to uh do the time well that's a lot more than money michael that is that is connections yeah. to the real power system uh, yeah for that, sure that's it that you are a vital at least at a time a vital piece to the power system because um and that dude people knew about it and went right back to business as usual yeah yeah, you think about you, you think about all the people who have been debanked, who have been locked out of their banks. They have been they've been kicked off of one platform or another. They've been censored because they have a bad opinion about, you know, some some new pharmaceutical product or yeah. something else that goes on out there. And here's a guy who was doing business with Chase and whatever after his convictions. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he was still very well resourced. Well, and um, the fact that they won't release any of those names, I think, tells you everything you need to know about that, right? Everything, everything, and and it it never gets old for anybody to bring that up whenever something frivolous is going on in the, in the media. Yeah, the, the fact that there there's fish like that that are just at the surface. You don't even have to do any digging anymore. It's right there. <laughs> yeah, and pl- yeah, they're not even you know they don't even you know Lee, dude, that 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 whole scenario with that uh, with that. You know, just what a piece of shit. I know. I know. Um, well, there's a lot more. The, the thing is that he was really just a cork. He was the cork in a really shitty bottle of... Yeah, well, that... You know, guys like that aren't... You know, he's not some brilliant mastermind. Like, he's... There's people behind him, you know? Yeah. Um, the Illuminati. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I have, uh, I, I'll probably have some more Easter Island questions for you as time goes on, but um, is, that the, is that the most bizarre site you think you've ever been to? Like, you, obviously, you have these very ancient stone structures. They, yeah. they got a lot of news. Uh, a lot, they made a lot of news once they were discovered and excavated and, and restored and whatever, but uh, you've been all over the world. What, what is the most puzzling thing you've ever seen? The most puzzling thing that I've ever seen. Man, you know, I'm, I've been going really hard lately on um, Sage Wall. Mm -hmm. And I think the mystery behind that, right? I'm trying to make some connections and we've been doing a lot of work and working with Sage Wall um, with Chris, the property owner out there. And, um, you know, the place keeps getting dismissed. It has been for years and we're f making some interesting finds and some stuff that, uh, you know, hopefully I can share with you. I think that'll be really interesting in the coming months. Um, but we're doing work. We've actually sent stuff off to the lab to get some lab results, um, w you know, testing the stone and the rock in the area. When you walk up on that wall, um, it's absolutely amazing. You know, it's pretty similar. The first one of the first ancient sites I ever went to was Sacsayhuaman. And it was so similar. It's in uh, Peru. Okay. And it's just this, you know, this massive wall that is unlike anything else in the area. And so, you know, regardless of what ends up happening with that, all the work that we're doing on it right now, there's there's uh, geologists and scientists and stuff involved in getting a lot of information right now. There's been a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Um, I'm excited to like be sharing over the coming months, but yeah, that that place was really weird, uh, wild. I, I have to say, one of the most incredible trips that I've taken is Bolivia, and then I, and then Lebanon. Walking into Baalbek was just walking into Baalbek was something else. And I did that in January, and I've been all over the world for before that. But walking into the Baalbek was just. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like Baalbek was just kind of like the holy grail of ancient sites. It was just hands down the most impressive place I've ever been. Now, is is was this a uh, a temple or so? When I say Baalbek, and of course the the uh, the site being as ancient as it is, the first thing I, without knowing anything about it, first thing I think is it had some probably some kind of a temple origin to Baal, um, another one of those very famous ancient um, you know sacrificial god type thing right so i it, did you put it did you you know kick over any rocks into its origins you know well the the established answer is that it was created by the romans but you see a clear distinction in the construction style between the base and, and the upper levels um you have these massive megaliths and, and giant perfectly fitted stones at the bottom and then as you go higher like you see in many places around the world the stone gets less precise mm-hmm and you know there's you know one of the biggest theories around a lot of places that kind of exhibit this trait is you know is that other cultures have moved in and built on top of these ruins and you know perhaps that's the case here but um you know i can't say for certain but it, it's it, nice it has indicators um of so many other sites around the world that connect it to these other ancient sites like pinch holes nubs these megalithic stones and blocks precision cuts um, perfect right angles, um, you know, all of the hallmarks. Mark Twain was there. Did you know that? That place is a rich history of having, like, lots of famous people and, and, and dignitaries and I think kings and queens and stuff have visited. I don't see anything, by the way, about the, um, the, the, uh, the demon Baal. 
anywhere here. I'll see if that. that but you're pops not wrong up. about the, and the spelling's exactly the same. Right. right. So that's why I just I don't know. Right. But still, I'm looking at this right now. Mark Twain in his 19th century travel memoirs said that quote such grandeur of design and such grace of execution as one sees in the temples of Baalbek have not been equaled or even approached in any work of man's hands that have been built within 20 centuries past. I mean, that's that's pretty glowing review from someone like Mark Twain. Yeah. And, you know, the stuff that I saw in uh, Bolivia and Peru is fairly comparable, but the the, the intricacies of, the, of, of some of the carvings at, at, at Baalbek are just absolutely stunning. Um, the level of detail and craftsmanship um, combined with the oh wait wait megalithic. yep yep ball sorry so it's a two part <laughs> word right ball and then Beck means something else yeah there it is Hold Ballbeck Valley also spelled Ballbeck has been settled since at least the year nine thousand B C in the in the uh, in the Bible times it was the site of a gory human sacrifices to Baal the Canaanite god of fertility. Some of the remnants of this ancient civilization can still be seen there, but it was renamed Heliopolis after being conquered by the Greeks, and then it was later used by the Romans as a foundation for a new temple complex that took 250 years to build. So what you're probably seeing here is Roman design yeah. um, on top of... On top of... Every, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always something. Wow. Yeah, and you've got those symbols right there. I won't say it in case it flags your channel. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very naughty. Yeah. And they're <laughs> everywhere. They're all over the site. Yeah. It's almost as if it means something else in other contexts. <laughs> you well, know? most people know that it does, right? But everybody likes to get offended. So, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's just get offended. That's why, like, you know, for so someone like, uh, you ever watched any of uh, Robert Sepper's work? I have. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that is a guy to go to Talk for. Talk about a brainiac, man. Yeah. Yeah. Deep dives in something like this. Uh -huh. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you, you ever think about law? You ever... Uh, no, I guess there's nothing really you can do. You can think about it. I mean, you're, you're good friends with Jimmy Corsetti, and he's always thinking about Atlantis. You ever talk to him about Atlantis? We haven't talked about Atlantis. I, I had the, um, you know, uh, pleasure of working with him on that Sage Wall video. And so we spent a lot of time talking about different stuff. We I, we didn't really go over Atlantis. Um, you know, uh, he he's going so hard on that. I'm going to leave that to him. There's a couple other people that are picking up the torch and running with it too. Um, but, um, you know, I'm kind of more about documenting it, documenting these sites and getting it and getting that stuff out to people to make their kind of own impressions about some of these places mm. now don't get me wrong if there was an opportunity to get out to uh, Africa and film the Rishat structure uh, I'd jump at it if anybody's paying for a trip I'm on board so you know it's wanderingwolfprod at gmail.com you can just hit me up there if you've got free trips hand you're handing out but uh, yeah the uh, you should you should make you should make friends with people like who work at airlines that, that can fly and stand by they I think they can I well, think it can help people out. Yeah, uh, I, I do have one, and um, you should check her channel out. She does great interviews with people, um, all sorts of uh, people in this field. Uh, Nikki Anna Jones is her YouTube channel. Oh, I like that already. Yeah, and uh, uh, we actually traveled together. I haven't put those videos out. There was a group of us, uh, about four YouTubers, that uh, traveled together on, on a trip through the American Southwest, and we went to places like Cahokia. I mean... Uh, 
uh, why is this not coming to me now? Um, oh man, what what's the the big site there in the southwest that everybody goes to and visit? Um, anyways, it's not coming to me right now, but. It was a fun trip, man. We got to explore around and do a lot. That was a good trip, yeah. Well, if anybody has any questions uh, for Michael Collins over here, especially if you are a well-traveled person yourself, you want to compare notes, you want to ask him anything, call now, 914-200-0269. I'll be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, um, I am going to, let's see here. And a few things I wanted to bring up. We did Baalbek. That was a nice little uh, detour. Um, Listen to this, Mike. Um, headline. This is from allthatisinteresting.com. I thought you might like this. A 5,000-year-old set of wine jars found in ancient Egyptian tomb of Queen Mernith, or Mernith. Hundreds of sealed and uncontaminated wine jars were found in the tomb of Queen Mernith in the ancient Egyptian city of Abydos. Archaeologists just unearthed hundreds of sealed and unopened wine jars. So now this goes back, let's see here, they assumed come to power sometime around 3000 BC. The jars were in excellent condition and the wine remnants uh, found inside were approximately 5,000 years old. In addition to the wine jars, the archaeologists also found well-preserved grape seeds, also known as pips. Now, the discovery of these uh, sealed intact wine jars at Abydos, along with well-preserved grape pips, have the potential to significantly build our understanding of some of the earliest wine production use trade in ancient Mediterranean and North Africa, uh, said Emmeline Dodd, a lecturer at Institute of Classical Studies at the University of London in an interview with Newsweek. Now, if you had an opportunity to go to a place like this, and let's say that you actually had an opportunity to just taste, to put a little bit of this to your tongue, would you try a little bit of 5,000-year-old wine? Even, oh, yeah. Even if it's just, who knows what it is I'd, at that yeah, point? Yeah, I'd, I'd drink the whole bottle. You would really do <laughs> I, I would be afraid to take a shot of this stuff, but I... No, I'd try it. I've drank worse, okay. you know, yeah. Uh, Jaeger, yeah, Jägermeister. And <laughs> exactly. If anybody's had Jägermeister, can handle this. Or if you're old enough Gross. and remember Avalanche and Aftershock. Oh, man. No, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, when I, when we were when we were coming up, the uh, it it was really bad. There was a lot of what was coming up. Hypnotic was getting hypnotic. really 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 uh, big with the gir- the girls loved hypnotic, and then there was the Smirnoff ices and started yeah. that all started yeah. the malt drinks like the Mike's Hard Lemonade. Yeah, started, yeah, right. yeah, 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 that's that, a bad drunk. Very bad. Waking up the next day, that's not a. That's horrible, I horrible. I can't imagine you'd do any better off this, but yeah, I would take a drink for sure. Now, do you have any you have any intentions of trying to, to go to sites like this, like excavation sites, or have you ever been to Egypt to see the Sphinx or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went all over Egypt. Egypt was great. Um, you know, I really want to get out to go Bekli Tepe. That's a, that's a site that uh, we had booked and I had to cancel. You know, uh, 20, you know, the last several years with uh you know the coof like really messed up a lot of plans you know but i i will say because of it it got me to sage wall which was obviously huge for the channel and right. huge for the growth of of what i'm doing but yeah i'd love to go to uh, an archaeological site you know i have no background in any of that but i'd love to document things um a hundred percent be it'd be awesome to be part of an active um active site active dig or whatever 
Well, you know, Will from Incredible History was just on Will's with us. Will's a great guy, yeah. How was that? Uh, it, it was great. He was on, I think it was last week, he yeah. was on with us, and we were talking about the, the contents of his book. We only got through a little bit because he put so much in there. But, of course, you came up because chapter one, I mean, section one, is the Sage Wall, Montana. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, he, and he brings up some really good um, exchanges that he had with people that, that gave him very, very sober and realistic explanations as to how that could be naturally occurring yeah. just by stress, uh, stress fracture in the rock and, and, you know, glacial movements and all that stuff. But, you know, let's say it is it is natural. It only it only makes me even more curious as to why out of all the continents on Earth where there is significant megastructure yeah. from the ancient world why are is north america by and large really just relegated to mounds uh and and things that were i, I don't know that could have been washed away and in, in one good storm yeah i you know the short answer is i don't know but you know i think that we're trying to we're trying to figure that out we're piecing things together we're starting to piece some things together so you know there's I, I get it all the time on the channel that you know, you know, people dismiss Sagewall and some of the other places as uh, natural formations, and you know, sure. But guess what? We're going to keep following through, and until we actually have a definitive answer, we're going to do the tests, we're going to run the lab results, we're going to get you know geologists involved, and all that's happening already, so that we get some answers because it's a question that I think is is worth exploring. Why does it stop in Mexico? Like right. these megalithic structures, why do they just stop there? We know that people have been inhabiting this area uh, for as long as, you know, areas like uh, central Mexico and stuff like that. So it wouldn't make any sense at all. Um, it doesn't make sense. So it, it's a question that uh, I think is worth pursuing and it's a lot of fun doing so. And Will was, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that really takes his work seriously and puts in the the extra effort, goes the extra mile. He's really, you know, got the details and different stuff. It's it's really f uh, been a pleasure getting to know him and fun watching his uh, his work as he's building his body of work. Well, you know, it, it's the same thing with all of you guys because I, it, it's incredible to to me. Like for example, you, you grow up, you watch the Discovery Channel or. I don't know, Bravo, A&E, and they, they have the money to go and grab a, a really interesting personality and dig in to get some access to the Coliseum, get some access to, you know, some ancient site over here, put together, you know, the, 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 the production team, add a little bit of drama to it, whatever, and that is mostly what we have growing up. Right. And And I think that what has been really amazing to me is finding all of you guys that are really um you're really tenacious you go out and you are filming things it's so easy for people who actually have a, a passion to figure out how to put together really high quality presentations of your travels in will's sense to put together a book to research mm -hmm. certain things the fact that he goes from you know uh the sage wall to ufos mm -hmm. um then you know if, if there's uh, so many I, I was able to get my first storm chaser on the show oh, uh, really? earlier on in the year you know and and i've young, always thought that would be so cool to young just chase kid. a tornado once he was a young guy he's still uh still studying meteorology and all that stuff but he has a lot of experience under his belt and it's a, a passion that has been budding since he was a kid so the fact that I have been able to interview all these um, these 
world travelers mm -hmm. like yourself and people who are chasing storms and all that stuff and i didn't have to go knocking on you know central casting's door and try, yeah. trying to get in with the you know it, it, the internet has opened up so much opportunity for people who really have uh you know really good ideas and it's uh, it's great to see absolutely and you know the thing about you know when you when everything has to get filtered through these you know studios or production companies to the type of programming that you're talking about um, you lose the original focus or the original vision of like what that person was doing right now it's filtered through uh, production team and different people you know um, in, instead of that one person asking whatever you know motivated them to go do that in the in the first place so uh, yeah absolutely you know having platforms where you can speak freely about stuff you get all these different angles and I think you get more information which is great right all these you know the question the questions are you know great and it's what's uh, driving that pursuit of uh, finding these answers yeah no I'm with good. you I'm with you on that one um, let's see what else do I have here. There's a couple of weird things that happened over the last couple of days. I thought I was going to ask you about. Oh, this one in particular. Because especially since I think this is very cultural, a topic, and um, very regional and, and uh, worldly. This is from MSN. I don't know where it was published originally on the Evening Standard. Listen to this a couple of hours ago. Humanity could lose up to half of future medicines through plant extinctions. Now, I take a look at that, and the first thing I say to myself is, uh, how convenient. If, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if that is the case, or if it is, you know, don't go looking for any good plants that can help you in nature. We're just going to give you the synthetic shit from our laboratories. Right. You know, um, so humanity could lose up to half the future medicines through extinctions. Uh, humanity is starting, uh, staring down the barrel of potentially losing up to half of its future medicines because so many plant species are facing extinction, scientists have warned. Nearly half of all those that flower are threatened, amounting over 100,000, while it is believed that around 77% of all those as yet undescribed by science are at risk. I wonder if that's because of bees. You remember? Yeah. Um, and, you know, what a Habit horrible thing to happen yeah. if it does you know or it continues to, to to happen if it continues to happen i mean there's so many uh remedies and, and and cures and stuff i was watching something on joe rogan the other day and this guy was describing some some thing that he got on his elbow and he came back uh he's out in the amazon i think is what he said he came back and the modern you know medicine they were trying to do everything they couldn't do anything he went back and the guy went out and like chewed up some stuff, stuck it on his arm, and it was healed up in like two or three days, you know, just from a plant. I, I think that most of the things that we need or that, you know, especially animals need for certain things are all right in your immediate environment, right? So, you know, humans are pretty unique in that we spread over every, you know, part of the earth. Um, and, and so... Um, you know, there's all sorts of things we have access to or might be away from that we need access to culturally or whatever. But, you know, um, we're pretty out of balance in, in terms of being in harmony with our surroundings and understanding. I think, um, you know, we're losing a lot of information as well in terms of like remedies for things and stuff that, uh, you know, are maybe our great grandparents or great great grandparents or whatever you know, used to do and use and work just fine for stuff now that we take pills for that have side effects. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the, the, and you, you never know here. They're, they're obviously going to blame some of this on climate change. They're going to um, deforestation, all that other stuff. But, you know, the world is, is greener now than it has been in a long time. Yeah. And uh, as we know, not even just plant species, but just animal insect species, I forget on average how many of them are go extinct every year. And then, of course, how many new species are discovered, and 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 it's just one of those things. It's part of. I wonder how much of this is part of a cycle, and how much of this is again, uh, just rolled into some disaster capitalism type of uh, scheme again. Where yeah, again, you know, it's like, you know, and how much of it is basically just fear porn. You know, I I don't know. Um, you know, you, you really don't know until you really get out there. Like, because I mean, at this point, when they say you know, trust the scientists, I don't anymore yeah i know i mean they're all paid bought and paid for you know who's who's paying these people you know what's the goal what's the agenda so i don't know you know i mean you see stories like the polar ice caps are melting and polar bears are like you you just see videos and pictures of them like floating around on ice and then it turns out none of that's true like the polar bear population is you know has has been growing or and stuff like that so just all kinds of bs out there and you never know like how are you even supposed to be able to form a valid opinion about anything if everything is basically a lie yeah so yeah you really it takes a lot of kind of digging through all kinds of different information and using a bit of discernment i think um but i you know as a as a heavy plant user over the years especially in my younger years i hate (laughs) to see some of that stuff disappear you know in new york we can grow three plants per household oh yeah so, I mean, we're, it's not going to go extinct here anytime soon. Well, I'm from Texas, so, you know, I think we'll be the last ones to the party. Well, you know, I, I often think, everything. every time I think about Texas, I think about large, large, flat, you know, kind of desert highways and all that. And I start thinking, is, is, is most of the weed grown in Texas, A, secret, and B, hydroponic? Because it has to be t- kept out of the sun. There's not a whole lot of weed being grown in Texas. I'm not saying there's none. But most everything comes in from Cali or Oregon or uh, even Colorado. But Oklahoma legalized um, recently, and they f- that that market started flooding into Texas from Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. You know, it's right there. Right. So, um, yeah, most everything comes in from somewhere else. There's a lot. There's a lot there. So as yeah. far as this one goes, um, humanity can lose up to half the future medicines. Well... I don't know. They don't. We don't really care about homeopathic stuff that much, anyway. Well, you got to think you, like the the the, co- the corporations and companies, these pharmaceutical companies, probably happy to have that happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, the FDA consistently every year puts something else new on a list that you know has been working for years for people. Well, they've been it's using synth- synthetic synthetic THC. For oh a God, while, yeah. for you talk about is that like salvia and stuff? It's not salvia. I forget what it's called. It, uh, but it, it is a, a a laboratory derivative of actual you know plant based yeah, THC, no which you know yeah. if, if you're not able to make some you know to put some kind of an artificial uh, you know if you're not able to compound it in some way, then you can't patent it because again, right. all of these, all of these, these future medicines right here, plant extinctions, uh, if, if they found a plant that was worthy of using for a medicine, they would take an aspect of the plant and then they have to mix it with something that is proprietary or right. else then it's just, you're, you're doling in nature right? and you can't, 
you can't monetize do, that. You can't yeah, monetize exactly. That. You definitely can't. You know. And we got to put a dollar bill on every possible thing, you know. You know, you're you're thinking you're talking about all of those those strange um, cures and stuff. Yeah, we did a show maybe about three weeks ago now, and uh, one of the topics was, "Tell me something about yourself that sounds like a lie, but is absolutely true." And some of the things that came in on that thread were incredible. Uh, one of them was about a uh, was from a, a boy who I think very early on in life, maybe five, six years old or something, had a seizure disorder. Yeah. And his grandfather and his his uncle took him across the southern border into Mexico. They, they acquired themselves a goat. They killed it. They, okay. opened, they opened the goat up, and they placed him, the seizure-ridden boy inside of the cavity the stomach ca- the chest cavity of the goat like like you know Luke Skywalker yeah. and the Tauntaun yeah okay and he said I shit you not I have not had a seizure since what the hell so, was he I, I mean this was I can go and find the thread it, it, there was that was one of a few crazy things that happened in Mexico in that thread so you want to? I mean, and that, that's a goat. That's, wild. that's not a mushroom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you can find, find a goat. <laughs> I'd have started with the mushroom, I think, before you know, I crawled into a goat. But maybe, well, maybe he was younger and you know didn't have that option. But. I don't know. You know, I, mushrooms. I give a lot of credit to people who understand what the hell they're doing with mushrooms, whether it be whether it be growing them, yeah. but especially identifying them. I, you know, I'll tell you something right now. My my experience with psychedelics and. Um, psilocybin and whatever you know i've done all of it um i i wouldn't trade it for the world i know there's a lot of people that don't agree with me but um i feel like you know it changed my perspective at a younger age i was you know mushrooms i've done mushrooms dmt ayahuasca you know lsd everything even though that's not a plant but just in terms of psychedelics like i feel like these things really changed my perspective on um you know how I looked at the world. I mean, I noticed the mar- uh, marketed difference in in my outlook as I was, you know, going through that kind of um, some of that in my teenage into my twenties. Um, but uh, um, I mean, I'd recommend it to people. Well, see, I was wondering <laughs> at least at a certain age, right? I'm not recommending stuff for like you know younger, and I probably sh- should have waited until my twenties, mid twenties, or something like that. But you know, I was kind of a but that's behind you now. Off the hook there. Is that or or, or is yeah that, yeah yeah? Or I'm, would you you would you you throw no, down a couple of caps at I, Machu Picchu? Uh, I would do that. Okay, so <laughs> I, I have to imagine. You know, if you can go to some kind of a place like you know, you know what it is, man. It is the uh, as I was talking about. I just went to Vermont a couple of weeks ago for a health retreat. Yeah. And I'm in this inn in Chester, Vermont, very small little town, very very quaint, and everything there is old. Yeah. Okay. The town was. Founded in 17. Wait, where is this? Chester, Vermont. Okay. Okay. I think I just went through there the other day. I wouldn't be uh, well, were driving you, around for the leaves. And were stuff? you traveling down 91? I went up 100, and I think so. Maybe not. Okay. Hey, I did that 100 route. Could you never know? Yeah. Whatever. But anyway, I was in this inn that was built in I think the or uh, around the mid 1800 or maybe I don't know, yeah, 19th century. And I'll tell you, man. I said, I said to people while I was there, well, the place I'm staying is definitely haunted. And, you know, the first thing I would think, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, there's like a an axe-swinging ghost or whatever. Right. That doesn't mean that it was a bad haunt. It's just that when you're in a place 
that has had so many generations of human activity there. There is a resonance we leave behind, and who the hell knows? Now, when you go to a place like Machu Picchu, or if you go to, I mean, any ancient site in Europe or Baalbek like you're talking about, I mean, you think about, you think about the, resonant, the resonant energy left behind from a place like that, especially a place that was a temple of sacrifice. I mean, any, yeah. in Central and South America, you're talking about tens of thousands of human sacrifices a year sometimes. I mean, that is a that could be pretty haunting. I'd be afraid to, to throw some caps down. <laughs> you know, I, you're, you're, you're not wrong. Places that have a, a huge history, they, de they definitely feel um, they, they have a, 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 a different feel to them, right? Than a, some new house in the suburbs, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah and you do you know i see people i've seen people um at ancient sites around the world you know be overcome with emotion break down you know completely sober mid midday just completely break down um uh at sites just feeling whatever they're feeling or in tune with there um you know i saw that several times in egypt and i've seen that uh, different places um but uh yeah that would be a trip especially at night you could if you could uh I, I don't know man i would do i would totally do that just just because i don't see how i couldn't could say no to that experience um well but yeah, it, yeah it, it might be pretty intense i don't know you know might uh yeah well i, I mean i i hold on let me see I, I just i just pulled up my my thread here from the other the other day about the, um the lie but it's true i'm trying to see the goat I'm trying to find the, the word. Star the Wars goat. Here's another one. Ready? Yes. This is from Andrew Sweet. Okay. He said, my little brother was super sick as a baby. Doctors couldn't figure it out. My grandma came to visit him, prayed over him, cracked an egg on his head. The yolk was black. He started recovering that night, has never really had any real sickness ever since. You know? Thanks, Pfizer. Uh, here, here's, an, here's another one. Here's, here's another one. A A Aries the Scorpio. This was it. This okay. is crazy. Now, and again, these are these are uh, things. These are little remembrances, stories coming in from people on the internet. They could be LARPs. But Aries the Scorpio says, when I was like four, I was epileptic and I had a seizure. My grandpa and his brother took me to Mexico, cut open a goat, and put me inside of it. I never had a seizure again. And uh, the response to that was from Shnukini. And Shnukini said, imagine you're a goat just chewing, doing, <laughs> just chewing. <laughs> you're like, and now you're looking down on it and you're like, this is how I went out. Yeah, exactly. You're chewing, just doing goat things in, in peace. And then these guys walk toward you with a child. That's it. Your day just completely makes a turn at that point. You know, 40, 30 minutes yeah, later. Yeah, you never see it coming. Yeah. They're walking to you with a little four-year-old kid. Never see it coming. 30 minutes later. That's wild. The child's inside of you. So what, did they, what else did they do? Did they just stuff the kid inside the goat, or did they do some kind of ritual or prayer or something? That's the beauty of the internet sometimes. Yeah. You just get a little bit of information and we'll nothing else. Leave it else. up to your imagination, yeah. I guess. Imagination takes you the rest I of the way. i got to assume there was some kind of ceremonial thing or something. Yeah. Otherwise, that would be pretty odd. It would be. <laughs> I mean, it already is, but you just stick them in the goat and then pull them out, and all right, let's go home. So, uh, so, so, Michael, what is what is next for you, man? Because we're in, you know, we're going to be wrapping up in the next couple of minutes. Then I have to do a after the intermission. I have to do a little bit of a news roundup, and then I mean, you can stay for the whole thing, but 
You know, yeah. I want to I want to put a divider. <laughs> give me the option. Uh, give me give me the option to, to, be. to avoid the the uh, the hard stuff. I don't I don't mind. I mean, uh, you know, if I if I don't want to put it out there, I won't. But uh, up next, you know. What do I have going on, dude? I don't even. I don't even know. Oh, anymore. you're gonna be a father. I, I've gonna be. I'm gonna be a father. So, you know, this trip was kind of like a post burnout, you know, type. Needed to get away and just take a break because I have been going at this for like five or six years, just nonstop travel, work, and editing videos, filming, and so um, I, I'm not doing anything after that. Well, I'm going to the CPAC conference. With, oh, really? Uh, Graham Hancock and. Uh, Jimmy Corsetti and there's a bunch of other people speaking there. Wait a second, Jimmy Corsetti, Graham Hancock. The, when did CPAC start bringing things like that in? Is this the same CPAC? Uh, I think so. CPAK. Wait, 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 wait. CPAK. Uh huh. And it's, okay, no, that's not the same thing. Um, Thank God. I was gonna say that that's very odd. Yeah, it's out in Palm Springs, so I'll be going to that, and then. Um, I don't think I have anything else on the uh, on the radar. I'm gonna be I'm gonna try to hunker down, and uh, really uh, tune into family life. Be there for um, Nikki, my partner, and um, um, the birth of my son. Let that ride on into the new year, and then uh, I have some big projects potentially coming up, and a lot of cool things in the around the springtime that I'm not really at liberty to sh share just yet. Um, but I'd love to keep you posted on. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear about it because obviously yeah. I'm going to be following along all the way. Yeah, and that's exciting. And after that, I'm, I might be just chilling. I got like three years worth of content I'm sitting on that's taken me forever to edit that I need to get out. Egypt, Cambodia, Vietnam, Lebanon, Scotland. There's so much, man. It's going to be great because maybe half of those cities and places are not even going to exist by the time you put it Dude, out. right? I was so happy to, to, to have been to Baalbek and Lebanon when we did. I just kind of regret not having made it over to uh, um, Israel. I, I, I mean, dude, that is going to... I always felt like this was going to be almost like a hot... I, I, many people's Armageddon stories end there. So I just... I it's just like every know. day you're just kind of waiting to see what happens, right? Like now... Who, it's it's all observation at this point. Right. We're, we're not obviously we're not central players we we have oppor we have opportunity and obligation to look out for ourselves plan for our families and other things but um as far as who's in control right now there's there's no wrestling their hands away from the wheel i don't think so it just has to play out and you start getting into some of the the political aspects we are not in a good place in terms of our like military uh readiness and 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 uh troop levels i don't know what the uh you know we haven't done a draft since what uh, they can. They couldn't do it now if they if they tried. I don't know yeah. if you were watching my show on Friday night, but we were. Uh, we we opened up. I had my my buddy Jay in, my buddy Matt, and and one of the things we were talking about was how nutrition was pretty much a national security issue. That seventy seven percent of all um, service worthy uh demographic like service age yeah, yeah every all service age demographic 77% of them would fail the physical fitness That's test so, man and that one they i think and it they've was lowered it they've lowered it in the 20 years since i was in i think it i think that they said two thirds at least one third but i think two thirds That's crazy of those who are already in the military are are clinically overweight or obese That's so crazy um, it, it's 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 awful, and of course they're trying to recruit people um, with with cartoons, and 
I, it, it's really, really. I, I can't up. even imagine what the military is like anymore in the we're, twenty we're, years since I've been out. You're in army war. Yeah, I was in the infantry in the army, so it was, you know, it was all dudes back then. It was just, it was only men in the in the infantry back then. And I think it's, you know, open to everyone now. I, all all the jobs, yeah, yeah, and um, so, uh, you know, and I know that the not too long after I got out, I got out in 03. So I was in during 9-11. You got, out right, you got out right as they were going into Iraq then? No, I, uh, but I got sent over to Korea. So I, I got stationed over in South Korea. And uh, we had been training for Kosovo um, at the time, so all that was still kind of going on. And everything switched immediately to Iraq. Wow. And then um, I came down on orders like right before, right when that happened, right when it happened, I came down on orders for to go to South Korea, um, like almost the week of. So, well, I'm happy for it's a you. Very different time. Yeah. I mean, that was the end of a, you know, around 2003. Once, once we went into Iraq, obviously the Afghanistan was 2002, but I mean, we're talking, that's just the beginning of what would be 20 years of. I, yeah, I got out, and I got out like a month before they stopped, lost everybody. So, you know, I had some buddies that got stuck for I don't know how much longer in. Because when you enlist, you, you sign up for five years after for the inactive ready reserve. And if you're already in, they're not going to call somebody up. They just tap you, and you just they just extend your enlistment. So if you signed up for three years and they activate your inactive ready reserve, the IRR, now did you get did you get uh, uh, activated at any time in the five years after? No. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, I mean, there's a story for you. <laughs> right. Jeez. I mean, I, I and you know, uh, not to change the subject too too quickly, but I found out what uh, CPAC is. Okay. Yeah. It's not. The, it's not CPAC. The where you know Charlie Kirk and everybody goes down and and. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It's a bunch of bunch of Republicans. That's CPAC, right? Yeah. Yeah. CPAK yeah. is this conference. Right. Yeah. The CPAC is where everybody, yep. uh, all the Republicans, put on their bow ties. Right. Yeah. They go down with their their nice polka dot bow ties and they pat each other on the back. Yes. So here is the conservative the conference on procession and ancient knowledge, and this has been going on for twelve years. This is twelve CPAC twelve. Yeah, you guys should come out. If, if, if anybody's in the area, you should come out to, and, and check it out. I think there's still tickets available because there's going to be some good speakers. Obviously, Graham Hancock, uh, Jimmy Corsetti. Um, I think uh, Ben's speaking from, uh, uh, what's his channel? Um, Suspicious Observers? No. Because he, he was just on with Jimmy recently. Oh, wait, Ben uh, Van Kerwick. Yep. Decoding Human History. Mm -hmm. Charlotte Morose, Boris Fritz. Uh, Chris Dunn, Joseph Selby, Marco Vigato, Walter Krutegen, Robert Grant, uh, Hugh Newton, the world's first megaliths, Dave Matheson, but then of course, you know, ha Graham Hancock is hanging. That's, that's, that's a place I would go to hang out. That's the draw, right? So, yeah, if, uh, if any of your listeners are uh, going to come out or are already planning on come out, coming out uh come up and say hello i'll be out there you'll be there yeah well then you know what you gotta do you gotta you gotta uh, do another 
I do another bike <laughs> Hey, yeah, you're right, dude. I'll do another <laughs> one for you. Do another bumper I'm just going to end up sending you like 12 a year from all yeah. over the world. I know. You know what? Let's <laughs> take an intermission. When we come back, what I'm going to do is I'll, I'm going to read through the, the Illuminati uh, letter. I said what we're going to do that. Perfect, yeah. All right. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to keep him here, and who knows? Obviously, we're going to probably go until 9 now. <laughs> Every time I say it's going to be a short show. No, we'll go for five hours. Yeah. All right, BRB. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 say those those intros awesome the intro oh you mean the the, all the, the, the intermissions the open the intermissions, intermissions yeah you know the, how, 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 how did you come up with that because it's just like so well put together I'll tell you something it's been a long long time coming those because back if I were to go back to maybe 2014 15 my intermission was me reading I was reading all of my like when I first started taking on paid subscribers to support the show yeah when I was still mostly personal training but the show was just starting to build support with the audience and all that stuff uh, my intermission was flipping on a uh, flipping on a, a song a backing song usually I would rickroll people or something <laughs> like that and I would read off as a part of my perks all of the names of the people who were my sponsors you know, for you know, two dollars a month, five dollars a month, ten, whatever the hell it was, everybody was in the credits, and that's what I did for intermission. And after probably by the time that we got to 2016, 2017, um, it was just like 150 people a night, 
and I had to and it was just taking up five seven minutes reading names and and in my head for those like first hundred or so people I had nicknames for every last one of them like I I, I gave everybody a little bit of razzle dazzle yeah. everything but but you know it was starting to become so cumbersome so cumbersome that I said that you know we, we have to think about a a new intermission and I had the off the intermission song from Offspring Six Nay on the Ombre album uh-huh. and I said let's do this and let's just you know and and eventually it it uh, evolved into into dancers and then. The dancers went on and on and on, and now it's just we've got this down pretty good. Do you, do you ever go back and watch your old stuff and you just cringe? No, I don't watch because I don't want to cringe. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't watch. But we put it on throwback, and people people enjoy it. Bro, I, I you know I haven't been at this near as long as you, but I can't. When I go back and watch my old stuff, it was like me in front of the camera. If you watch any of the, it's dude, I don't even want to tell you which videos. Which show it? Tell me. The chi- any of the China ones, or maybe Ireland. All right, hold on, let's go find it. Oh my God, I'm very yeah. Just 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 show everybody because it's so bad. Well, you know, it, and it, I don't even look the you. same. Oh, you know, you have to do these things to grow and get you know to a different place or beyond, right? But it is cringe. It is absolutely cringe. Okay, so you said where the hell would it be? Ancient sites. Walk- so if you go. You could just go into videos and just scroll all the way to the bottom. Okay, hold on. <laughs> let me get there. I'll put this up on the screen right now. All right. Oh let's... God, I, I don't know why I told you about this. You know what I could could have done is just put oldest first. Where the hell is it? Hold there. Here we go. Oh Lord, Alaska. So do uh, do the. I think maybe do the um, maybe that Machu Picchu one. I think I do an intro. My name is Mike, and welcome to Points of Interest, where we highlight some of the most interesting destinations on the planet. On this episode, we'll be traveling to Machu Picchu. What a stud. 15th century Incan Citadel, situated atop Machu Picchu Mountain. This trip has been at the top of my list of places to see for a very long time now, so I'm excited to share the short video right, watch with you this. Watch my some of the highlights of our trip. Tim? <laughs> we were so close now. Waking up early in Cusco and getting some coffee. Oh, dude. Yeah. I was feeling pretty there excited internally, even if I was keeping my You know what? Up. It's so necessary, though. Absolutely. And I mean, it, I, you got to build up some thick skin to stuff like that, too, because it it gets it can get worse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but whenever I see that, I, I think what I do is I empathize. Like, I know if watching this right here, I know why you would cringe. Right. I'm not cringing. Yeah. But I know why you would cringe. It's and, it's and, just so unnatural, and I'm just like, and I'm like, hey, I'm Mike, and here, and here are my check hands. This out. Yeah, <laughs> here's some these hands. are these I are my just, hands. You know, I don't know where to put them. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I understand, man. There's a there's a lot. I mean, I can most of my early history is on physical drives that probably nobody will ever see again. Um, that's just because you know me. you pulled them. Well, I, they were on another website. They never were on YouTube. Uh, gotcha. It's everything that predates YouTube, and we had you know ten years predating mm-hmm. YouTube, pretty much. And you know that was um, I don't know. I don't know. It just it didn't. Everything was there. Was some really great great stuff. Well, but it, everything in between, not polished and just oversharing things like that. 
you know, it's helpful, I think, seeing yourself on camera or like listening to yourself if you're doing any work like this because you, you, you know, you can see and then make adjustments, right? Okay, that's not working. But everybody else is experiencing it with you too. And so it's, you know, it's not like you're doing it in private and getting better and showing up with your best version sometimes. Right. So, uh, you know, it can be cringe to look back on. Yeah, I cringe every time I see those videos. But uh, one day, man, they're going to be uh, they're going to be classics, classics, real classics, and not not in an F NFT sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have the Wandering Wolf NFT, his first release. Well, that uh, it's just going to be me standing there, like, yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's before Michael knew what to do with his he hands. With his hands, yeah. He's he had no waving his hands around at the camera. He had no hand. He had no hand direction yet. <laughs> anyway, take a listen to this. This was, um, and I'm going to get into our super chats and things. That, and this had come. Actually, I'm going to do that first. Let me go to quite frankly superchat.com, and uh, and see what we have going on over there. Tom Ford says, "I just wanted to say, I'm never going to give you up. Never going to let you down. Never going to turn around and desert you." Uh, you know, but he gave he's me a, he gave me he he spelt dessert with two s's though. Uh, well, so um, I maybe don't know. it's a double entendre. What does that mean? You know, uh, it's that's good to know. You, you know, <laughs> you have some caring fans out there. Well, who did I have, uh, guys? Who's the we have a uh, we have a, a massage therapist out there? What uh, he said he was going to. What was his name? It's somebody in the chat room. Let me know who was the massage therapist that, that said he wanted to get his hands on me. <laughs> well, and and what he said. Come on, tell me quickly. Somebody in the chat room will know. It, it's really just a matter of. It's really just a matter of the delay. Hold on a second. I'm gonna wait. Come on, everybody. Come on. <laughs> everybody needs to know this. What was said? Oh, well, he, he called in. He called in. I mean, he, he was a... I forgot. He was a really big fan. Yeah. And he said, you know, he's a Great. massage therapist. When if we, if, you know, every cross paths one day, I just... He, the way that he was offering his massage... Har, Har, Herman. 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 Mark Swan just sent it to me. He said it's, his name is Herman. He said he was going to Hermanize me. <laughs> Uh, and and you know and I, I really I, I felt totally fine with him saying this stuff because I I, I think his approach was a little bit there was a double on there, there's something there that can be weird but it uh, what I don't know I yeah. think he was just very enthusiastic it's just well so there's a, there's a fine li line probably there of being an absolute professional right just saying. <laughs> And yeah. then having a double meaning. I'm going to hermanize you. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's his special. Everybody pays extra for that service. Herman, you got to call into the show again soon. Uh, we got to talk. I think he was from like Arizona or something like that. That was a great call. Uh, let's see here. Thank you, Tom Ford. AK says, ask Michael if he's ever heard or been to America's Stonehenge in New Hampshire. Just went yesterday. Supposedly dates back 4,000 years and has various inscriptions in Ogham, Phoenician, and Iberian Punic script and solstices aligned to the OG Stonehenge and Baalbek. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know about all that. Um, you know, it did look like there was a, there's a, there is a um, like solar layout or whatever like they're talking about. I didn't see any um, writings uh, like Phoenician or whatever, but I also didn't have a lot of time. I kind of breezed through there in about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and I spent quite a bit of time talking with the uh, owner, Dennis, who was a wonderful guy, made, made friends with him, and we've connected. 
um, since then. And um, it's a site worth visiting. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it, you know, doesn't have the precise construction as um, a lot of these ancient sites in other parts of the world. Um, is it but circular? It is, uh, yeah, like the the whole site. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. Again. Um, you know, I had other plans that fell through, and then I realized how close I was to this place. And so I, um, you know, people have been bugging me about going there for years. Are you are you connected now forever? Like, do you, did you exchange personal information with this guy? Yeah, you got. So, you should ask him about the the alignment of the solstices. Um, oh, he yeah he he has all that information. I just didn't have the time to dig into it with him. And remember, remember all of it. Like this wasn't a planned trip, or I'd be had been a little bit more prepared. I just stopped in yesterday, so I'll be reading in and looking into it more to understand some of that. Had I known this, if this was a little bit earlier during the, I would have said during the intermission, text him, see if he'll call in and ask some questions, answer some questions. I, I bet he would. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a good opportunity. I don't know. Um, he, uh, um, yeah, he he was really knowledgeable and really plugged in within this you know, within the ancient history community. So he's done hundreds of interviews and all sorts of stuff over the years. Um, and uh, knows quite a few people that, um, you know, big names. Um, uh, and a lot of people have come out there and filmed this site already, so. Damn, I would love to talk to him. I'll connect you guys, man. I, I think you'd uh, love to hear some of the stuff that, uh, that he had to say, because I was able to talk to him for about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. And, uh, you know, really get to know him pretty well. Really great guy, really nice guy, uh, really welcoming there at the site. Um, it was a it was a pleasure to walk the place and and and, and experience it. And um, you know, what's really cool about this, you know, the the site is um, you know kind of another piece in the puzzle for the North American thing that I, that's you know we're working on right now. Um, not just me, but other people all over the place. You know, guys like Will that you had on and mm -hmm. and different people. So um, you know. Uh, great, great place to have uh, plugged in as an example for that. Well, I got to remember this one, this one question in particular, uh, because that would be pretty remarkable if uh, at the time of a solstice, it, there is a direct alignment to not only OG Stonehenge, but also Baalbek. But I'm trying to think about their placement on the map. Yeah, I don't. And I that, don't. That seems pretty zigzaggy. Yeah, he he's he was selling um, the eye protectors. For yeah. the eclipse, but I don't know if it's because we're getting the the full effect down in Texas. But sometimes these things curve across the country, and I don't remember where the we're path getting. That it's we're going. getting it up here in the path is coming right through um, New York next April, April eighth. Okay, so maybe maybe he's planning for that. There's one this um, weekend on the fourteenth. I didn't know that. Yeah, this Saturday. Um, it's a. Uh, it's a what's it called? It's a annular or something solar eclipse. So it's not a complete total one. It it's one where it blocks out the whole sun except for like a ring around it. Somebody just told uh, uh, Bill Cooper in in the in the chat said just flatten your map out, Frank. It, yeah, it, even if I flatten the map out, let's say I went from globe to flat. Yeah. Still, you think about. Stonehenge and then Lebanon, it's still going to be up and down. It's still zigzag. What do you mean, like? No, from New Hampshire to OG Stonehenge, that would have to. You have to go northeast for no, that. No, you you put it on put it on their on their their uh, latitude, and then flatten it out. 
So if, if, are we getting into flat Earth? <laughs> some, of, some of them are. Some of them yeah, are. Yeah, then just flatten the map out, map out trace the, the latitude that you're on to the latitude that, that goes through, like Stonehenge, for example. And uh, the, the center of the map is north, and the furthest out extremes are south. But what I'm saying is we have three points. How can they all align? What three points are we... We're talking about the New Hampshire site. Uh -huh. We're talking about the OG Stonehenge. Yep. And we're talking about Lebanon. How can, yeah, how, I don't, how can it all pass through three, no matter what uh, it would, shape the it earth? W that wouldn't on a flat earth map. Okay, well, I got it. Well, anyway. I we'll don't ask. think. I don't think that's on the... That's not on the same alignment. Yeah, latitude. All right, here's another one. Rev says, Frank, enjoy the vacation. The show will be missed. Last night's guest, Alaric, was amazing. I watched it twice already. And, of course, enjoying Mike's interview tonight live as well. Safe travels. Can't wait till you're back uh, already. Peace out, Rev. Well, I appreciate it. I can't wait to get back, too. Uh, although, I just can't wait for a week of watching Aurora get tossed around by uh, her uncles because she is going to just have a great time. And, you know, she, she's been getting, you know, she's been learning all of her wrestling moves. Nice. And, oh, man, you should see. Actually, hold on. I've got, I've got to show everybody this picture. Where the hell is it? Is wait, she's doing a flying... Flying elbow. Oh, it's it's big. The people's elbow. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt has been, my buddy Matt has really been <laughs> teaching her the ropes and something. Where the hell is it? Oh, this is funny. These are. Hold on, I'm gonna put one other one up over here. This was the other day. I mean, I have a lot of other moving footage of Aurora. You know, you know, kicking Matt, like doing the stomps, <laughs> doing the stomps and stuff. But here are two things where she has this. She has this um, couch. It's all It's like a deconstructed couch. You can take all these pillows. You can stack them in different ways. And so she make we make forts and houses and all that. Or we can just make her sofas. And um, so when my my buddy Matt came by two two Sundays ago, we were doing this. She she wanted to to construct something with him. So of course, of course, Matt was was uh, always eager to, to play these games, but he didn't make a house with her. He made uh, a guillotine. <laughs> he he wanted her to cut his head off. And let me see. Here's a, uh, there's two pictures over here I'll share with everybody. Here's the, the first one, and then here's the second one. There we go. There we go. Okay, so here is Aurora. There's the, let me get out of the way. <laughs> there's Aurora. She is She is cutting off Matt's head. He uh, he wanted to put his hands on. It. He said Aurora, so she's very dutifully cutting off his head. Here's another one. She's stacking more on top of it. As him, she so. should. There you go. So and he's he's just he completely bit the big one right there. He's dead. You can see. So he's. <laughs> we, <laughs> so th this is what I'm hoping we get to do for the rest of the week. That's perfect. Create some memories for her. Um, and man, you're gonna have a lot of fun doing that for for your boy. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling like, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be a certain point where Nikki just feels completely outnumbered. I am, you know, I am not exactly like, you know, a regular calm dude. I'm always doing kind of crazy stuff and going off on these things. So I imagine we're just going to rev each other up, you know, at yeah. least once he gets to a certain age. Maybe there'll be some calmness for the next couple of years with him. But I see, you know, a lot of poop in my life in the coming future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I was the. I always tell. I always tell Aurora. <laughs> I was the first one to to change your diapers. You know, I took on like the first three diapers. Lauren has, has and, and you have to the keep telling hair. her that until she's you know at least eighteen, right? And just remember, remember two things. The, the first couple of poops are weird because yeah. it's a it's a new digestive system. It's clearing out for the first time. Okay. So some of it's going to look black. Maybe something a little green. It's fine. The other thing is too that when he comes out, he's going to have a torpedo head. <laughs> It's not, you know, it's it's going. You're going to be a little concerned at first, but it's okay. It rounds out. Did uh, how'd you handle did being in the room? Uh, you know, people are like Frank. What are you going to do? You're going to pass out. You're yeah. going to cry. Whatever. I didn't. I honestly, when Aurora, I mean, Lauren was pushing for like three hours. Okay. That's and, pretty short, though, right? Yeah, well, she, we were there for a while. I mean, yeah. we, it, got, it took us about 13 hours to get to the, the three. Okay, gotcha. But it, but either way, once we were in the middle of it, uh, what kicked in for me was my instinct as, you know, when I, you know, over the 16 years of coaching baseball, coaching third base. <laughs> coaching third, I, that's what I felt like I was, when, especially when Aurora was, was uh, arriving. Yeah. It was... Come on, you know, like you know, you, you could do it. You were coaching. It was all coaching. It was all positivity. It was. I was exhilarated. Yeah. There was no crying whatsoever. I was. It, it, I felt like we had just rounded third. We went home, and this was amazing. But I'll tell you one thing. The day that we left the hospital, you know, the nursery was getting Aurora all together. Lauren and I were sitting in our. We're sitting in the the, the room in the hospital, and we're packing up our stuff and whatever. And for some reason. I had the, I had the urge to go and put on that Billy Joel song "Lullaby," okay. Because I said to myself, you know, I wonder what that song feels like as a father now. Uh. And let me, I, that was not fun. I my heart shattered. Dude. So her coming into the world was exhilarating. It was like a rush where we're we're rounding third. We're going home. But then fucking Billy Joel came on as we're leaving, and oh, gotcha, huh? <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, good night, nurse. That was it. Oh. Yeah, Frank didn't cry until he saw the hospital bill. Well, <laughs> we had traditional insurance at that time, so everything was fine. We'll see what uh, see what Medishare does the, the second time oh, around. Oh gosh. All right, so um, all right, so let me go back into here. Are we ever going to get around to the Illuminati? We gotta, I don't know. We got to do it. Shotzi says, have a great time with the family. Enjoy the peace and quiet. Hope to see a stream from the front porch. Don't you worry. It'll be all well. I'll, I'll keep you guys in the loop. There's always something I uh, keep you up to date with. And remember, on quitefrankly.tv, there's going to be wonderful stuff going on every night on quitefrankly.tv. There's going to be classic, quite frankly, episodes. You want to talk about cringe. There's going to be classic, quite frankly, episodes. There's going to be recent amazing episodes that are going to be in there. And then the late nights are going to be filled with Halloween movies. And I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, Hellraiser or anything like that. We're going to talk about really amazing, cheesy, B-level horror films. Those, those, are the, those are great. So there's going to be a lot going on on the website. I went over this with Cody and Abe the other night. So do not um, give up on quitefrankly.tv. I'll, uh, I'll be seeing you there. Throbbing Lights says, stop acting like you don't love the, thro the throb. Let's get serious. You love it. Throb on, my dude. <laughs> that is the Throbbing Lights from my home setup. Thank you so much for that, Throb. All right. All right. Let me go to... 
uh, foxhole. Here we go. Robert Sorens, thank you. Boys Blanc. Jay Jules says, Frank, would you wish my mother-in-law, Lorraine, a fabulous 100th birthday? Wow. Lorraine. I am so... If you're watching me, Lorraine... I mean, why? Why are you watching me? That that's number one. But thank, I mean, thank you. I feel uh, I'm com- what a compliment to have you watching, even if it's just for this this shout out. Happy birthday and God bless. I mean, God bless you. Amazing. I, I would love if you are if you're in, if you're in the mood for a for an interview, have your daughter-in-law, the centurion. Yes, have your daughter-in-law get in touch with me. Yeah. If you're in the mood for an interview to talk about all of all the things you've seen and advice, especially at the end of this year, I would love to have a, a pre-New Year's interview with you, Lorraine. So have your daughter-in-law get in touch with me. Imagine, not born 1923, what what kind of stories she has. I know. You know? I know. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's not even just Lorraine's uh, perspective over 100 years. It's it's the memories, the very the very... Fresh memories that Lorraine may have of her parents and grandparents who were born in like 1820. Yeah, no, I'm talking about grandparents. Yeah, because you, know, you have to say she's born in 1923. Then her grandpa, her parents were born in at least 1880s. No kidding. 18 late late 19th century. So her grandparents had to have been born maybe 1840. I would love to see that and hear that. It's got to be. I'd love to hear some of that. That would be amazing. Dep- I, you know, my grandma was born in 1912, 1910. And so, you know, I can't I can't imagine. Like, I've never even thought of that, of, like, asking, you know, someone um, from, you know, that was born back then, the, their memories of, you know, like, I have memories from my grandmother who was born in 1910, but her memories from her grandmother would be back into the early... 1800s, mid 1800s, maybe. Dude, I'm, this is what I'm talking about. That's here. crazy. It's depending on how it's depending on how the births are stacked. Yeah. Like, as of a couple of years ago, um, John Tyler, our te- the 10th president of the United States, mm. he still had a living grandson. Really? Just based on how far late, apart, how like, how yeah. late some of the births were. Wow. I, I, and I, I don't know if they're they're still, still alive, but. Um, it's just incredible, and you know, as a guy who obviously you know is always on the tail of historic uh, places and all that, I often think about how we are still. You know, it's it's 2023. If you stack Lorraine, Lorraine was born when an, uh, another 100 something year old year old person may may have died. Right. That person was born when another hundred some odd person, uh, person uh, was, was had died as well. Potentially, you could be working all the way back into the 1700s. Dude, think even bigger than that. Ten, ten people get us back to the year 1000. Ten people. I mean, that's just ten that's people. That's crazy yeah, to think we're, about. We're ten people away from Leif Erikson. Yeah. Landing in in uh, Newfoundland, we were just we just uh, mentioned him last night. Ten people. That's that's the the, the craziness of time, and then another t- ten people gets us to year zero. Gets us to the uh, gets us to Bethlehem. It's yeah. That's <laughs> such that's that's so crazy because you know time, you know we don't. Yeah, we don't think of it that way until you start until you start laying it out like that, right? You're just like that that can blow you away. That, just 10 generations potentially back 
a thousand years. Because and here's the thing: that is not even a hypothetical. It right. has happened. Yeah. It may not have happened in in a certain family's bloodline, but no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. When some when one one hundred and five year old person died, another person who was destined to be over a hundred years old was born, and that yeah. chain, that somewhere in the world, that chain has been completed. That's crazy, you know. I'd love to hear her stories. I think that'd be great, especially from, you know, and then hear stories that she was told. Uh, that'd be something. Uh, you would love a lot of those stories on YouTube. There's, there are tons of compilations of people who are uh, approaching approaching uh, 90-something to 100 years old who were filmed and interviewed in the 1920s. So we're talking about... I've pe- seen a few of those, and it's it's... They're incredible. Yeah. And you know, these, um, I've been to a few of these blue zones um, around the world where people regularly live over 100 years. Um, I think there's, uh, is there, there's only three or maybe it's five. I can't remember. But these blue zones where people live much, much later in these parts of the world. One of them's in uh, Costa Rica. Um, but, uh, yeah, imagine, you know, there's probably quite a bit of that going on in those places. The internet is a wonderful repository for that kind of material. Uh, I mean, for as as much as it is terrible sometimes, it, there's so much amazing things to watch and so much perspective to be gained. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's keep rolling here because I'm now running out of time. Uh, Falkalon says, hey, Frank, can I get a happy birthday to my lovely wife, Christine? Christine celebrating 43 years today. Congratulations to Falkalon and Christine. Happy anniversary. That's amazing. Oh, wait. Happy birthday. And anniversary. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, celebrating 43. Oh, 43 years of life. Nice. Okay. Happy 43rd birthday. I thought he was saying it's her birthday and we're also celebrating 43 years together. That That's an accomplishment these days. It is. Okay. Well, anyway, huge Christ- accomplishment. All the best to you, Christine. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And another shout out for Lorraine, says Falkalon. Thank you, Jesse81138. Witchy Poo says, gas money for your vacation. Thank you so much, Witchy. That's, that's, that's very nice. Because once we get there, we're not doing much driving. We're just going to veg out. Uh, Vesper, Frank, please ask Michael what the stars look like at night. Uh, I'm assuming they're asking about Easter Island. Yeah, I would have to imagine. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, obviously, this you can just see so many stars. It was absolutely beautiful. You see shooting stars, and you're also below the equator, so you're in the southern hemisphere. So things are when you're that far down some constellations not in the same place mm-hmm. or they're like upside down um, so you know I, I've always loved sitting out and looking at the stars and Easter Island was just like a absolute treat the, the only other place that I've been to that was similar to that as I went through all through Patagonia down in South America and it mm-hmm. was like that too but you know I, I will say still to this day the, the coolest place that I've ever been to see the stars is in Death Valley. Yeah. I, I've heard Death Valley. I've heard that Western Pennsylvania is uh, is incredible as far as 
uh, less the least amount of light pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that New Zealand has some of the most uh, epic night skies. In, I want to go there so bad. Never, never did that no, continent. Haven't anything done New Zealand. Uh, okay. Wow. Well, I, I'm sure. I'm we'll sure we'll get there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes, indeed, we will. Uh, and of course. This is Michael Collins, and I, I'm in New Zealand. You are watching, quite frankly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'll be on a mountaintop somewhere up there. I'll do my best Lord of the Rings uh, uh, lines. You, sh- you shall not pass. Sea <laughs> uh, Blance says, chalk it up as another great show. Thank you. Thank you, Secret Weapon says, thanks, Frank. Great guest. Um, Zoso Dude says, great guest. Wonder if he's been to, Ch- to Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza? How do you say that? Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza. Several times. I love it. He said, I I swear I felt spirits where they held the sporting games. Yeah, that's an interesting spot right there, the the ball court. Um, And what's really cool is if you take your time while you're walking down either side of those walls, on one of the walls there's a um, really some interesting depictions of... uh, stuff that's comparable to some other sites around the world, specifically the snakes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, over the back, uh, over the heads, and there's one that's cut off, I think, if I remember correctly. I don't remember if it's exact that spot. But, it, you know, if you go back there, make sure to walk along those walls and pay attention to um, the uh, carvings and depictions there because um, a lot of that stuff's really interesting, and it can be really easy to walk past <coughs> and not know exactly what you're seeing. I've been to Chichen Itza, I don't know, three or four times now, and it's um, a great site. Love it. But there's so many other sites that are right around that area that are easy to get to as well that are um, very cool to go go see. But the Yucatan Peninsula is worth like a good good stay, and it's fairly safe. You can drive around, rent a car, and get everywhere, and it's you know really cool. Chichen Itza is a good site. That's wonderful. Cool. Yes. Well, thank you, Zoso, dude, for that. Zoso's a good friend of the show, like very many other people here, too. Jay Jewel says, Lorraine is very sharp. I bet she will do it. Uh, do I email you? She's an American. Uh, yes. Email me. That would be amazing, Jules. I would take very, very good care of Lorraine. Uh, g- quite frankly, podcast at gmail.com. Just make the subject line nice and flashy. Just say, Lorraine, Lorraine, <laughs> and I'll know. Uh, C. Blanche says, thanks. Awesome show. Godspeed. I'm going to release the scratching right now over there on... Um, and it's on uh, really? Foxhole on QuiteFrankly.tv. Of course, the the fun only has just begun there. Let's go to Rumble. Make sure that I've gotten everything on Rumble. There's a few things that I, I see rolling by. Jay Semo says, my wife and I drink mushroom coffee. I think it's very beneficial. Well, I have the mushroom, the, um, the nootropic coffee creamer that I, I got from Jay Gulanello has several types of mushrooms, including lion's mane. And let me tell you, I don't trip balls, but I feel like Superman. It's a wonderful thing. Sharp, focused. Oh, yeah. I've tried that stuff. It's good. It's good. 925 Wild G says, Possum? Flat Albert? Aurora? What does this mean? I don't know. Uh, Mark Swan. These are the questions we need to be asking. I know. These, 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 these three <laughs> things right now. Fred Awakening says, not sure about the 10 people, 1,000 year theory, considering lifespans when you get back to the 1700s and prior. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. I, I know that the lifespans of, mo- of most people were somewhere around, you know, average lifespans were somewhere around 50. There are definitely outliers. There are definitely people who were eating um, uh, very well, very well. I think if it was uh, who was who was Jay talking about? 
I, th- I definitely, there was definitely somebody out there. Yeah, somebody had to have hit 100, right? Yeah. And then you just, you, you put them in a corner, you keep them safe back then, right? Uh, had to be. Had to be. Especially since the human body had the, always had the potential. It's just that human lifestyles mm-hmm. weren't, uh, you know, especially eating. Right. I mean, we, we were putting a lot of things together. Some people knew. And some, right. some people were just maybe just living in a, uh, a, a good environment, eating the right things, because all that was available to them were the right things. Well, again, like look at these blue zones um, in different places where they don't have a lot down there um, still today. Well, right. Fredo, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep this aside, and I'm going to I'm going to keep this aside for when. Actually, Fredo, if you can email me this, so I don't forget it, that people were dying in their 30s, depending on how far, far back you go. Absolutely, 100. percent But my theory about lifespans stacked on top of each other. Obviously, you can never say that this is the case in one one family bloodline. Um, but I'm saying that at any one time in the world, when one life was ending, another one began. And I think that even if you're talking about a couple of hundred million people on the planet at one time or tens of millions of people, there was somebody. Had to be. Somebody that was making it past the finish line that everybody else thought was unnatural at the time. I mean, there's still people that are living to a hundred in places, parts of the world that are that have no... You know, modern conveniences or medical care and different stuff like that. And, like, and that's usually what saves them at this point. Right. Moder- modernity is actually actually takes people a couple, few steps back. Yeah, sometimes. I, yeah, I I stay away from the doctor. <laughs> as far as you can go, it's as far as you can go. You can go with that topic. Yeah. <laughs> Stostube says, "Love the quite frankly, thank you, sir." And um, yes, now here we go, real quick, Albert Pike. Now, okay. th- this is just a theory because it turns out he probably, it, there's a good chance that he did not actually write it. But the issue is that it was written. It has been known for probably about 100 years or so now. And here is what was what was published. In the text, the text in question, this is on quitefrankly.tv. I read it last night on the bonus stream. The First World War, okay, must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the czars in Russia and making that country a fortress of atheistic communism. The divergences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the British and the Germanic empires will be used to foment this war. At the end of the war, communism will be built and used in order to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions. The Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel and Palestine. During the Second World War, international communism must be strong enough in order to balance Christendom, which would be then restrained and held in check until the time we would need it for the final social cataclysm. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Think about what's, what's going on right now. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam the, uh, and political Zionism, the state of Israel at that time, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations uh, more divided on this issue will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economical exhaustion. Uh, we shall unleash, unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provo- provoke a formidable social cataclysm 
which in all of its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. Then everywhere, the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the, the multitude, disillusioned with Christianity after all those years of war, whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer. Brought finally out in the public view, the manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Now. Here's where the rest of this goes. Contemporary Freemasons dismissed the idea that Pike had anything to do with this prophecy. As a 2016 post from the MasonicLeader.com notes, the letter was held in the British Museum Library according to William Guy Carr, a former British intelligence agent. Carr wrote a book in 1925 based on another book by Cardinal Caro and Rodriguez of Santiago, Chile, entitled The Mystery of Freemasonry Unveiled, also written in 1925. Caro falsely quotes the Pike letter in his book, and later Carr claims that he never actually saw the letter and got the information from Caro. To date, no conclusive proof exists to show that this letter was ever written. Nevertheless, the letter is widely quoted, and the topic is of much discussion. Additionally, a 2011 post, this is from our writer, uh, from wideshut.co.uk, digs into those 1925 books and makes a very compelling argument for the letter never existing. Of course, it doesn't really matter whether or not Pike was the author, says John Carroll, quite frankly, writer. Uh, in fact, it's safe to assume that he wasn't the writer and that the whole thing was concocted out of thin air. What matters is that the real author accurately predicted events that came to pass and the current trajectory of human affairs seems to suggest that trend will continue. Lucifer may not be out in the public yet, but he may very well have been enthroned in the Vatican. If so, it would have only been possible because of the well-documented Masonic infiltration of the Church, which is certainly responsible for the world becoming disillusioned with Christianity, and as for the social cataclysm that will push people over all over the world to the point of complete physical and moral, spiritual, economical exhaustion, it is the only thing the media talks about these days. And the other thing there, too, is the real crux of the issue is that, however, uh, is the manner in which it's debunked. They lied, as seen in this aforementioned 2016 post. They said in 1925 there was no indication that the state of Israel would be formed after World War II, said the, uh, the Freemasonic post over there, when we know that in November 2nd of 1917, you have Arthur Balfour writing to, Arthur, uh, to, uh, to uh, Lord Rothschild over here, talking about this very same thing that was brought up and it was already in place. Palestine, everything. So it's crazy. They say, why necessary to lie when the letter can be proven fake using truthful information? So it really isn't even about Albert Pike being the key to all of this, Michael, and everybody at home. It's just that this thing has been around for about 100 years, this letter, and the, the things inside of it. And um, it, it is very prophetic, and it's we're still on that trajectory. So they said, with, with, we conclude here, with respect to the letter, the lie is their wink and their confession. 
Um, they say the answer probably has something to do with the idea of cosmic karma that this audience has become very familiar with, the quite frankly audience, especially the vampire theory. According to tradition, a vampire cannot enter a home unless it's been invited by the owner. The deceivers see the deception itself as the crime, not the bad deeds that follow. So with respect to the letter, the lie is their wink and their confession. To the untrained eye, the ability to disprove the authenticity of Pike's authorship insinuates that the veracity of the entire letter is discredited. This trick allows the deceivers to openly speak the truth while absolving themselves of negative karma they would have otherwise incurred by not giving their victims a chance to recognize the deception. Finally, and perhaps the most ridiculously, there is this gargantuan paper trail of legitimately verified documents which spell out in unambiguous language exactly what their plan is. The gaslighting attempts over this letter are just pathetic at this point. So that is, uh, that is a little bit, that, that definitely sets you up to talk about a number of things that are going on right now all over the place, but... Yeah, of, this seems tailor-made for that, doesn't it? A lot of debate. The, the, the current situation and, and, and everything that's going on over uh, overseas. The, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether Pike wrote that letter or not. Somebody wrote that letter, right, 100 years ago, and the things have been happening completely in, in line with, the, with this apparent plan. And, you know, the... You know, you see this behavior of telling people what they're going to do before they do it. It's this this prep, right? And so, you know, whether it's to absolve themselves of karma or whatever it is, it certainly conditions people so that when things do happen, you know, um, you know, people treat it as if it's normal. They've already been conditioned towards that happening. Um, so, you know, nobody's surprised. You know, we have thousands of years of prophecy talking about end times and stuff. If something started popping off and you started seeing all these things, people would be like, well, yeah, we know, you know, this is what's happening. So they go in line with it. Yeah. You know, people are very, by and large, kind of easily swayed, manipulated. Um, and it's only getting worse with this, with the, the level of, um, you know, we kind of briefly skirted over talking about some stuff about how um you you know it's really hard to know anymore what you're actually being told if it has any validity or not so you know it makes for very confusing you know a very confusing space in your personal life when you're trying to figure these things out well you know i, I and I, it is it is and i think that the the bigger thing that applies to everybody is that even though we're talking about in the news right now there are regional wars and skirmishes that are popping up and we always hear about that but these little it's almost like at the you know these little bubbles are starting to merge and and we uh, if you take a letter like this into consideration you really have to wonder uh, when how does this design to affect us all over the world mm -hmm. you know thousands of miles away from a a focal point of something for example i got this i got this uh, email you know we're going to bleed over just a little bit you have a little time i do yeah okay I got this email. I guess we're just going to finish the show with a little bit of a uh, little bit of thoughts on what's going on with the war, but that'll allow me to not change the title of the show because I did have a news brief mentioned in there. Um, I got this email from a, a, a viewer of the show, Father Father Matt. He's a he's a priest. Many priests watch the show. Actually, I don't know how they put up with me. <laughs> But they say, he says, Hi, Frank, I couldn't listen last night. You may have already covered this particular post. What happened in Israel is demonic, 
period, full stop. That being said, mainstream media is in high gear to craft a narrative to form public opinion for more war. Case in point, it is interesting that we don't and never really did get the frontline reports from Ukraine because our dog in the fight, Ukraine, is losing. But tune into Fox News and you get live reports from Israel with bombs and all. Peace, Father Matt. And I, I, I just say, working off of that, oh, I know. And that was the whole point about last night's la- uh, late show that I did. There is a kinetic world war that is being meticulously pieced together right now. The Axis powers, and, and the Axis powers continue to expand. Did you know that Syria has entered the chat today? This is from Zero Hedge. Let me see here. Hold on. Zero Hedge. Syria launches missiles on Golan Heights as U.S. Uh, as U.S. to begin surging defense aid to Israel. So Syria is launching missiles. Um, they fired missiles toward the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights Tuesday evening. So you can add Syria to the new Axis powers if they haven't already been there for so long that we've been trying to get Assad out of there. And and just like with the the uh, the only acceptable position in the media with Ukraine was that Ukraine were the good guys because simply Putin is Hitler. It is now that Israel is getting that treatment as well. And that's not to say that the right side to be on is with Hamas. That's not to say that at all. I want nothing to do with either of them, to be totally frank with you. And I've um, I've I've done quite a bit of observation. And again, Michael, I'm not dragging you into this, but I've done I've done quite a bit of personal observation, quiet observation in that that region over the over the years to think that uh, they're both pretty savage, and Israel just dresses it up with a little bit more sophistication than their barefooted sword swinging counterparts right. in Hamas. You yeah. know, you have a little bit more of it. That's just what I see, and you know, I and then and then of course you have this, you have this. This is from the U.S. If this doesn't make you, like, laugh, this is from RT, but it, it got around. U.S. has enough weapons. The Pentagon says the U.S. has enough weapons for both Israel and Ukraine. Okay, Washington can meet all of Israel's requests for weapons, equipment, and ammunition while continuing to support Kiev, a Pentagon spokeswoman told reporters on Monday. We are able to continue our support both to Ukraine, Israel, and maintain our global readiness. Are you kidding me? A senior Department of Defense official said in a background bl- briefing. They have enough... So, I mean, it, no, listen, this is serious. Now, Now we know. We were saying on this show a long time, okay... They're not admitting defeat in Ukraine. So the only question is, how are they going to transform the war in Ukraine to be something bigger than it is or to drag everybody else into the conflict and really turn it into a formal war? Uh, I never thought that it was going to be Israel. Yeah. But, I mean, this this seems like it. that's what's, what's going on right now, that, that Ukraine... Israel, it's all being lumped together because, of course, within the first five minutes, everybody leapfrogged from Hamas to Palestine to Iran to Russia. So now all of a sudden the web is starting, is, is complete. Of course, Syria, Russia, I mean, it, it's crazy, Michael. It's it's really crazy. It's, and, and, you know, watch out for, you know, sleight of hand here is every, all the attention starts shifting over to the Middle East and Israel that, you know, we, we don't end up doing something crazy over in Ukraine as, uh, 
as no one's paying attention over there anymore. True. You know, um, you know, the you know, especially America. But these governments are are used to playing, you know, ten <laughs> D chess. There's moves within moves within moves going on. And sometimes there's things that are agreed upon that are happening within these proxy wars, you know, between two major powers, you know, there's agreements, um, you know, for, uh, it's just, you know, it's hard to make heads or tails of, and, you know, when you get back to the Albert Pike thing in the letter and, you know, how descriptive it is, it sounds like it's describing some of this exactly. (laughs) When somebody tells you, you know, what they're going to do or who they are, believe them. You know, well, especially when you get a, a little bit of confirmation. Once you start seeing a pattern form of of of, of you know of confirmation, and uh, and you start realizing that okay, right. well, well, pattern recognition is huge, and you know it, it is a pretty giant red pill moment right now, um, for all the self loathing, especially the self loathing white liberal saviors out there. They, I wonder if they've they realized at this point that they are not very consequential at all outside of peacetime nonsense they they control this nickelodeon of uh of news and opinion and all that other stuff you know inside of the nickelodeon they are able to project whatever images they can pretend to be whatever it is they they want to be they can stand up for so-called oppressed people and all that stuff but once something like israel pops off they are suddenly marginalized to such a degree that they can't even be considered background noise i i saw i was seeing these women in the uk who felt they were expressing their uh, their concern, how unsafe they felt in the streets of London. Now that there's so much, you know, Arab protesting going on there in in you know against Israel and for Palestine in London, and, and because and they were they were very concerned because these women, they could not reason with the Muslims whose bloodlust for Jews had just been inflamed again. So the same thing for the university administrators here in the United States who can't wrap their heads around why so many people on on campus, especially Black Lives Matter and stuff, are very in line with Palestinian uh, groups and, and the Muslim Brotherhood and care and all that. So it's incredible to watch these dopes who looked at the population, you know, the uh, importing so many people from that from parts of the world that maybe we're not ready for a western life uh to to see how to realize how ostracized that they become at home when even a little bit of shit hits the fan (laughs) i mean like you know the idea that we can have this you know kumbaya world where everybody gets along there's just people out there that just they are not interested in that and 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 then and then there's other people that just don't understand that they don't understand that there's other people that w- in the world that exist that want to see them dead. Now I'm not talking about anybody specifically. I mean that in the individual level, and 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 there's reasons why. You know, all over the world, cultures are very separated, and they have their own areas and regions. And we've you know kind of have these things. Is you know there's you know for. You know, this is all throughout history. When you do types of stuff like likes happening now, is introducing entire other populations with completely different value sets and cultural identities into a, a space of other people with opposing cultural identities. It's a recipe for disaster. Well, I, you know, that is the basis for the very calm and cool, uh, co- uh, cool common sense question that many people have had. Uh, 
why this is being done on purpose. I mean, that, that is a conclusion that, that people who are looking at this is drawn. How can you say it's not? You have to. I mean, you're, when you do this, when you do this kind of, uh, you do this kind of mixing, this kind of social engineering, and you do this kind of uh, exporting and importing of groups into foreign countries and foreign cultures, knowing that water and oil do not mix, that you're, first of all, you're taking a truly diverse world and you're destroying that, true, that diversity. And you're also setting people up in places all over the place for conflicts that can turn very, very deadly. Absolutely. So, so this is something that is um, obviously part of whatever the end game is going to be, because there's going to be some kind of a te- offensive. Uh, I, 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 I truly believe it. And you know what? One last thing I got to say on this. Mm-hmm. I know things are pretty stark in the world right now. I know they're pretty stark, but, but please, God, please. Is it possible for news agencies to send video journalists into war zones who aren't going to spend their entire report crying and quivering? <laughs> the quivering the quivering women and men that go into war zones now, I mean, I'm sure that they can find somebody with intestinal fortitude uh, to, to stand there and report on hard subjects without crying. But I know, you, you, I know what the production standard is at this point. They want people to cry. You can't get into television news without being able to cry on command like your Meg Ryan. It's just, can you please send somebody who's ready for the hell that they're about to go and witness? Yeah, it's it's just incredible. Gotta, we're we're just tuning into the show anymore, you know. What's the response that they're looking for? Uh, and that's what they're trying to elicit. You know, they want you to connect um, emotionally on some level. And that's not to say that everybody is up there faking it. I'm sure that some people are really bothered or disturbed by what they're seeing. But you you know those days of. Uh, that you know uh, of the type of reporting that you're talking about i think are long gone right yeah it would it would appear anyways well i mean there's there's so much going on michael there there really is but i'll I'll save all my other all of my other thoughts for for some of the time i'm really happy that you you hung out with me tonight yeah likewise and that wasn't so bad no that 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 ending there we, no, we, I think we hit it pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't want to. I'm sure know. someone's offended. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I, me, me, I, I uh, yeah, I walk the tightrope every night, Michael. I, I, I just have to look out for my guests. So, <laughs> but I'm glad to, you know. I, I appreciate. I, it. I had a wonderful time, man. It was good to connect in person. Well, were you, you're a California boy, Texas, Texas. Oh, you say I didn't know, you, but you're, but you live there. Uh, in Texas, yeah, yeah, Austin. Okay, I didn't know if that was just Austin's where you came uh, from. home base. Great. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we got ACL going on right now, so it's always nice to get out of town when that's when that's happening. Got you. <laughs> well, anytime that you travel up northeast, you hit me up and you come by again. Absolutely, this is wonderful. So, um, you said you have a lot of things coming up. I hope that people go and check you out. Uh, I'm going to link your. I actually on YouTube, I linked your YouTube uh, account inside of the description. But what is your main URL? If people who are not on YouTube or whatever, where can they find you? If you're not on YouTube, my big, my next biggest platform's Twitter. Okay. And so that's just W W O L F P R O D. So W Wolf Prod at, uh, at Twitter there. And, um, you know, right now I'm not on anything else really. I mean, I have Instagram too. It's the same handle. Um, but Twitter's where you're going to see all of me, my travels and pictures and things happening when I'm on location and doing stuff and keeping everybody up to date in real time. And then on YouTube, you'll be able to watch all my longer form content videos and things like that. All right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that I have 
I'm gonna put this in here right. And now. I have a TikTok I'm trying to grow. It's the same same handle. Hold on. W Wolf Prod. Uh, Wandering Wolf. This is the YouTube in there, and then Wandering Wolf Twitter. I'll make sure I put in there for the. So it's all in there when everybody watches Appreciate this on the it, rerun. Brother. Thank you. All right. Well, Michael Collins, uh, safe travels back, and, and congratulations on everything with your upcoming child. Thank you. And I can't wait to hear all the updates on that. But uh, we'll be in touch, and uh, I look forward to the next call into the show. Pleasure, brother. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Let me make sure I didn't uh, miss anything in the, the Super Chats. I don't think I did. Wait. Wait. Valsky says, shit, no money for Hawaii, though. Oh, I know. Billions, billions were, were yeah, any kind Great of. Great point. Isn't that crazy? We've already forgotten about it, yep. everybody. And we're talking billions are coughed up immediately. Yeah. And then, and then just to say that we have unending amounts of weapons for several fronts of a war. So we're, this is a that new. That pissed front. me off hearing that. It's just like ridiculous, you know? And we, we are the collateral for that shit. We're the collateral for that shit. I mean, it's. And anybody in, in and, and I've been in the military. I see, I, I've seen like the, the the level of like, you know, uh, uh, resources that we have for our, our soldiers. And plus, then we you know we we can afford to just they're not kidding. They can just give all that stuff away, and we will still have enough to be ready and fight, or they'll just make more. That's right. That not, machine keeps churning. Not one, not not a very big return on investment to put all that money into things that explode, though. No, unless they're getting what they want, right? All right. Well, this listen, is what they want. Uh, Michael Collins, we went, we did some overtime together, and I'm so happy <laughs> we did. Have a wonderful evening, man, and good try. Thanks good, for having me. Take care, everybody. Be well. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Stostube, Tom Ford, AK, Revolution, Throbbing Lights, Shotzi, to all of our wonderful friends on the Rumble Rants, starting with Valsky, and Freight Awakening, and 925YLG and Jay Semo. Thank you to all my wonderful friends on QuiteFrankly.tv. You just stay right there and enjoy the rest of your evening and the rest of the week. 7 o'clock on, on QuiteFrankly.tv, you're getting classic reruns. You're getting wonderful after-hours and night owl programming. Uh, you know, spooky stories, uh, spooky radio dramas from back in the day. We got everything for you and for the rest of the holiday season. You just wait and see. I'll see you on Monday, and in the meantime, be on the lookout for any kind of pop-up stream that I might do from the solitude of the woods. Good night.